Everybody and welcome to season nine of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, Matt Snogden. What was done, now undo. Return the sequel to the form that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of what we do on this show. Yeah. Oh my god, do we shrink it and help it grow, it, bitch? Make it dance to Walkmans and stuff. <laughs> Keep the stereo, dude. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of Walkmans and funky dancing, the finest dancer of all of the sequelizers. Accurate. Mr. Tim Matum. We're having Jack. We're having Jack. Jacker than the Jackest Jack. Yeah, we're having Jack. We're having Jack. We might never go home. Oh, that's, that's gold. I referenced the... So- I do the synopses for these. You don't even know what the film is yet, listeners. <laughs> I do the synopses for this. I reference that song. It's fuck me. <laughs> oh, oh dear. God. Because this week is, in fact, an executive producer pick what? on Patreon. Yeah, because I didn't know this film existed. I knew the first one existed, but didn't know the sequel existed until the wonderful Mr. Zenos, one of our executive producers, picked it for us. We are, in fact, fixing this week Fern Gully 2, The Magical Rescue. Yeah. And if you'd like to <laughs> if you'd like to join Xenos and become one of our patrons, you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. You get early access, you get ad-free episodes, you get exclusive outtakes. We've done two quizzes yeah. and uh, basically almost an entire interseason episode by itself as we well. We did, we did. Pretty much for this week's uh, outtakes and stuff. You get all of that on our Patreon. And if you go up to the higher tiers, you become an executive producer and three men at the top tier you actually get to choose a film for us to sequelize and some interseason episodes as well just like xenos has done our executive producers this week are jonathan firth clark deep in the heart of the forest there is a magical world where wondrous creatures play the day away mike salvia now zach is rocking and rolling with a reptile josh miles blasting off with the beetle boys James McDowell. Hanging 10 on a falling leaf. Josh van der Sluis. And swinging around with a bat who's totally batty. And, of course, as I said, the man who has picked this very terrible sequel for us to sequelize, Mr. Xenos. Now, to get back to his world, Zack must help Krista find the courage and the magical power to save her world. Thank you. As always, for your support, gentlemen, it means the world to us. You make these seasons and the interseasons possible and all of the live streams and the merch and all the other stuff that we do here at Sequelizers. We appreciate your support and uh, got some big plans coming up. Yeah. We're just just about halfway through the season now. So Mm -hmm. over the hump, we're planning. We've already started planning interseason stuff. We've got our exciting MCU specials coming up soon because we crossed that 500 pound mark on Patreon. So I'm, much to say. I'm, oh, it's it's gonna be. I've already said too much, <laughs> but said it's, too much. it's gonna be gonna be some extra cool, interesting, interseasony goodness with the yeah. MCU stuff. So, got that to look forward to. But before we get to all of that, we are talking about Fern Gully too. Jack, hey, 
What's your history with Fern Gully? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I watched them both two weeks ago, back to back on a Sunday. That's your first time seeing them? First time seeing both of them. Holy shit. Yep. Um, That's I, unkind. Yeah. And I, I, I've got some interesting stuff about the kind of... Because I know Emma likes the first Fern Gully. Again, kind of grew up with it and all that because she's a couple of years older yeah, than me. Yeah, It came out in 92. It all kind of makes sense. Yeah. We will get to synopses, listeners. Don't worry if you're not familiar with the films. We will kind of delve into it a sec. But yeah, it just completely passed me by. I had no idea it existed for well after after it came out. And by that point, I was, you know, maybe even a teenager in like mm. 10, 12, something like that. Yeah, I don't, yeah. do don't want to watch this shit. I've got all the all the cool Disney movies and all the mm-hmm. more successful animated movies to watch instead. I don't yeah, need this. Fair, fair. Fucking Pixar's happening. Why exactly, would I care exactly. About yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd already yeah. seen Toy Story. So I want to go back and watch Fern Gully. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then obviously, as I just mentioned earlier on, I have no idea that Fern Gully 2 existed. Straight to DVD, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, which we'll touch on in a moment. Yeah, Had no idea that existed until Xenos brought it up. You know, weird patron (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah but i know it it is very very close to some people's childhoods they have like oh my god i love this i love this it's like sure we'll get on to obviously but like everyone i've spoken to everyone says oh i absolutely love it i was like really what do you like about tim curry and robin williams tim curry robin williams tim curry robin williams tim curry robin williams what about the rest of it that's fine i guess like yeah Sure. Everybody just says Tim Curry's performance, Robin Williams' performance, and obviously, this is the it's the same year as Aladdin. There's a lot of controversy over mm. Aladdin. Yeah, yeah, that comes up a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and obviously Tim Curry has gone on to do some amazing voice work throughout the years yeah, as well. It's Curry. Mm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's this weird thing. I've I've touched on it with a few friends of mine. Obviously, to put it into context for those who are kind of new to the show, I'm 31. I was born in 1990. Uh, so a lot of my friends are around a similar sort of age to me. It coming out in 92 means that it was on TV when I was a kid. Yeah, It would have been on VHS and DVD yeah. eventually later on, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s and all that kind of stuff. For whatever reason, it just passed me by. But a lot of my friends who I've mentioned like, oh, yeah, we're doing um, we're doing a Fern Gully episode. They're like, oh, my God, amazing. <laughs> that piece of shit sequel that was on DVD. Like, yeah, that one, that one, yeah, yeah. Did you, did you like it going up? They're like, yeah, I loved it. Tim Curry, Robin Williams, <laughs> the other stuff, I guess. There's some forest and some other sure. bollocks. Is Christian Slater? Yeah, Christian Slater's in it. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian Slater's kind of a sexy fairy. It's a bit weird. But yeah. Do you like 80s hair? Sure. <laughs> no previous history with it. Um, I'll pass it over to the, the oldest member of the sequelizers, Mr. Stockton. That's me. It is you. Because you would have been, what, eight at the, by the time this film came out in 92? So it's yeah. like... Yeah, prime age. Yeah, that, that that feels like that might be the right age, but you might be about to prove me wrong. I don't know. Nope. I am the prime demographic, uh-huh. and I am here to tell you the early 90s had a lot to say about the environment. Um, and we all learned our lessons and everything's fine, right, yeah. guys? Yeah, the climate <laughs> crisis didn't happen because we averted it because the power was inside of us. Because we wanted to save the forest or something. Well, okay, mm. so... um. The answer to your question of my own history with it is it's it's a very strong history. I uh, saw Fern Gully in the cinema, I want to say. I had it on Before. VHS and watched it a lot. I really enjoyed it. Wow. I really, really... We'll get to what the significance of what I'm about to say is. I love the visual imagery of Hexus and the evolution of it from this little slug thing we'll to this yeah. giant fucking 
Grim Reaper looking yeah, in this one. It's yeah. just so creative. Skeletal so motherfucker. Like, yeah. yeah. So I love that aspect of it. Um, songs are shit, but that's fine. Um, except for the Jim Carrey Toxic one. love. Yeah, it's fine. But being eight-year-old, I, again, you have to remember, at the same time, Captain Planet was on TV a couple mm. of years later. Another thing I've mm. never watched. That's actually quite earnest and not good sometimes. Um, <laughs> a couple of years later, Michael, Michael Jackson's Earth song came out. I know that's a thing to say, but it was actually mm. at the time, it was like, oh shit, the environment is important. Yeah. What about elephants? Um, and and it was everyone was being pushed to, what are you doing to save the planet? The ozone mm. layer and yada, 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 mm. yada. And yeah, that hole in the ozone layer. Yeah. That, yeah. Recycling became a big thing. And so many of people in my school, my class, my, my mm. wife had a similar thing where she'd go home and she'd tell off her parents for not recycling. Mm. I remember like, doing, I remember watching yeah. Blue Peter and that happened. Yes. yes Blue, go and yeah. stamp on your cans and do the thing yeah, and exactly. recycle your cans and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. And that's the, that was the kind of the, the, a big drive. The 80s, I don't really recall a lot of that shit happening at all. <laughs> I remember that I got an eco message, kind of. I think late 80s, it probably started. It started being rising, yeah. A thing. Yeah. But 90s was, especially 90, early 90s. Yeah, 90s was very coming out right swinging. On. Yeah. I mean, one of the classic things in Independence Day was that I, Jeff Goldblum's I was just character. thinking about yeah. Independence Day and throwing yeah. his can in. You, remember, you know, I'm always trying to save, save the, the planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I, I was just one of those things that was just like, well, you'll go watch this one. Of course you are. And at that young age, you don't necessarily, in the same way that a lot of people don't differentiate between a Marvel, a DC, or a, maybe even like a Valiant superhero mm. thing, you didn't differentiate between the animated films. Land Before too, Time. Yeah, you're too young enough to know what a studio yeah. is or what yeah. directors do in Precisely. terms of animation or that kind of DreamWorks, stuff, yeah. Don Bluth, fucking, yeah. Um, obviously when DreamWorks initially I mean, it's, Disney, it's, it's still a whole bunch of people who think Anastasia is a Disney film. I mean, precisely, exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's partly because they were all working towards a very similar, if not the same model. Mm. And Fern Gully was just part of that. And I really liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, of course, as Jack has highlighted, Tim Curry and, and Robin Williams were standout. But because they were the funny side character and the villain, they, of mm. course they were going to be standout. Mm. Um, but this was one of those interesting examples uh, in the early-ish days of bringing in notable actors, mm. um, not just voice act, not not just being riveted to voice actors, but not just voice actors, but recognizable actor names like holy shit, uh, uh, like live action actors being Correct. pulled mm. into voice voice yeah. roles. Yeah. Which yeah, Disney wasn't and, really doing much of that point. They were going to soon with, and that Aladdin. became such an integral part of Robin Williams' career. Yeah, like, from this point onwards through mm. the nineties, you. He goes in to do, you know, we touched on the genie and Aladdin is like mm. one of the arguably most iconic, like Disney funny yeah. performances. And it's, and like it's that. kind of a, a seismic shift in it then. Like that performance then starts the ball rolling to stuff like fucking Shark Tale, where it's, oh, let's get Martin Scorsese in to play this mob. He's, he's, yeah. he's got, look, the fish has got big old eyebrows because he's voiced mm. by Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. It's clever. Yeah, it's like Angelina Jolie. You want to fuck a fish? I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> but you're right. That is, a, that is a bit of a twist, a bit of a turn. Sorry, but I would say, um, as much as I enjoy, I know it's hideously flawed. But at the time, it was like innocent and wholesome enough that it was enjoyable. Didn't feel old. Wasn't lecturing. It was. It, it was very heavily lecturing. It didn't feel like it was lecturing in a strange way because we were entertained. Um, again, this. The, a lot of the song element didn't. I mean, it's Alan Silvestri on the schoolwork was good, but some of the songs just didn't. It just didn't go anywhere. 
Um, I mean, it also helps that the two standout songs are The Batty Rap, which is Robin Williams', Williams. character. Getting in trouble with Disney. And and Toxic Love being yes. the song sung by mm. Tim Curry as Hector. Well, she's kind of barely singing, especially going, He's just, just being a bit sick. As good as that song is, it makes the cardinal sin, which it rhymes a word with the it, same it word. Does. Yeah. It does. And things like that from like, like there are moments that that's could be describing Fern Gully all over. Yeah. It's like it got, I think at the time, decent acclaim. Mm. It made a reasonable amount of money and more so on home release, but didn't make much of an impact. But it did what it wanted it to do. It got a message out there, and I respect mm. that to a degree. The sequel's dog shit. Uh, I yep. saw it. Fuck me. I think I saw it more when it's my in my twenties, and it was the classic like, huh, a thing you say. I'll go back and watch that and go. Oh, but there's in a that, sequel to. Oh no. Yeah, in that sort of twenties mindset, completionism. Well, I have to see everything. Um, and it was it was just painfully cheap and shit and nasty, and we'll get more to it later. But Tim, mm. what's your history? You're again. You're the, you're a little bit of an interesting bridge between. Yes. Me and Jack, where mm. I've like got a very rich lore, and the, the two years between us right, is mate. enough. No, you got a rich lore, and I'm just stuck here as some fucking. <laughs> do you want <laughs> loser nineties? Do you want kid? a fucking fern gully rich lore? No, <laughs> and <absolutely>. fuck off. <laughs> no, but um, and and because of it being, you know, again, mm. pre-internet, you're very much and 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 pre a lot of other things, you're very much concluding to here's the handful of VHSs you have, therefore. Get your ass a strong. Also, I'm pretty sure it's appeared on TV quite a lot, mm. so get a strong association with it. Um, but again, that that two years difference between us, things drop off fast. So mm. I wonder where you sit. I am almost perfectly between hey, the two of you. Perfect. Uh, perfect sandwich. By which I mean, I didn't see it at the cinema, and I didn't own it on VHS, or, so, or rather, my parents own it on VHS. <laughs> uh, I was not out buying my own. Uh, you don't know anything, in, child. Uh, at the age of six. Um, I think I saw it on TV and I think I saw it when I was at probably a little bit too old for it. Yeah. I think I saw it when Me I was too. about... I saw it when I was 31. I think I was a bit yeah. too old. <laughs> I think I saw it when I was about 12. Um, yeah. And I was like... And, I, and I'd heard of it and I was aware of it and I can remember seeing the poster in like video shops and stuff like that and, yeah. and maybe having friends who had seen it but I had never... I just not had access to it at that point and never saw it when it was on TV previously. But I remember seeing it was on TV possibly around Christmas time when they show a lot of animated films and was like, oh, I've never seen that. Stick it on. Watched it. And it kind of just passed me by. I was like, oh, yeah, the the monster's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Uh, didn't Wasn't aware of the sequel, of course, because <laughs> why would I? Uh, and so that I was definitely seeing for the first time um, loved recently. It. Uh, loved it. Thought it was great. Favorite film ever. Don't need to fix uh, it. <laughs> no, but so I didn't have a huge amount of like nostalgic affection. Um, mm. It wasn't like you say one of the few VHSs that I owned and watched on loop, and so yeah. is therefore like lodged in my memory of like, oh, the fucking Jungle Book's one of the best Disney films ever, isn't it? It's yeah. like, no, it's just that you what that was like the one that you had. Yeah, it's so the bare necessities and I guess like an hour of other stuff I don't really remember. But yeah, I mean bare necessities is great, right? Not the vultures that act like the Beatles, Jack. Yeah, every favorite it's bit. Comedy gold. Um Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm just literally saying, what what should we move for? It's like, why is that one sound like he's Liverpudlian, but that one isn't? Which yeah. Beatle are you supposed to be? Oh, he's not a Beatle. 
well, why the fuck is he in the group? <laughs> You're right, obviously, entirely, Tim. It's the classic example of it's good because I have depended on it as a child and therefore yes. it has to be good because I invested so much time into it. Yeah. And I remember it being good. It's like, well, yeah, but if you go back to it, case in point, if I go back to Fern Gully, I don't like how it looks. I don't mm. like the animation. I don't like the Same. 80s, early 90s-ness of it, the hair, the fucking animation style, mm. the music and songs that say really ugh. Um, there's so much about it that really irks me. But if I describe aspects of the production and describe how it was made and describe why it was made, mm. I'm like, this film is a fucking miracle Gem. yeah it's yeah. it's it's a really interesting production story um from the bits that i i kind of looked into mm. and yeah it's it's very interesting because i, I re-watched it for this obviously um and was watching it and i was like mm, that's, animation's a bit ropey it's not that great yeah then i watched fern gully 2 <laughs> i was like Really puts everything Ooh. into perspective, doesn't it? This is yeah. bad. And then I, re I went back and I rewatched a little bit of Fern Gully again. And I was like, wow, this looks like fucking, this looks like Studio Ghibli, <laughs> like oh my God, Disney, yeah. like peak at its prime yeah. comparison. It's like it's so... Princess fucking Mononoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, the... Well, to be, to be fair, I mean, if, if we were to say, because we, we're talking about, uh, you know, talking a lot of shit, I would say if you think about an American tale from Don, the Don Bluth sort of studios, mm. or if you were talking about the Black Cauldron, the 80s era of Disney, it looks a bit like that. Yeah. It's a bit oh, rough yeah, around yeah. the edges, very yeah. Hands yeah. And, uh, hand animation stuff done. That's fine. I think the 90s with Disney had so much money behind like after Little Mermaid and Aladdin and mm. um, the Lion King that those things look so clean and polished that we're like, wow, what the fuck? It's mm. like, because it's money, dickhead. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it was a mo It was a moment of time where Disney was making some leaps forward. Mm. And there's there's t I think there's tiny bits of CG animation in this if if memory serves. In yes. the first not didn't have the budget for it in the second one, I don't believe. Um, yeah. And that was a moment when Disney was starting to get into that. They were doing the ballroom mm. in Beauty and the Beast, that's and right, they had the right. Wildebeest uh stampede in, mm -hmm. in Lion oh, King yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Um and I think there's moments where it's comparable to Little Mermaid. Yeah, which was like the start of the the, the Disney Renaissance, so yeah, to speak. Three or four yes, years yes. earlier, which was, yeah, which was like three years earlier. Um, I think Aladdin, which came out at the same time, is much better. But obviously, it's fucking Disney. They've got so much more money and so much more yeah. manpower to do those kind of things. Mm. Um, well, again, Croyer, who's the director, used to be Disney. Mm. He was one of the lead animators on Tron. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. and I, I seem to remember for the. For the uh, there's a character played by Robin Williams called Batty, and for the Bat flight path, he being a sort of CGI computer, um, animate is the wrong word at this point in time, but programmer, shall we say? Yeah, said I've input the flight path of a bat basically mm. to go woof, 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 flies around like this, and it's like so now we can put this model of this bat on and it'll go around. And the Batty rap was so close to the wire, getting it done and written and sorted and all that sort of stuff that they had to do it as a CG thing. That's why it doesn't look exactly the same. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it looks damn fucking good. And at the time, no one was doing that. But by the 2000s, everyone was mm. doing that. Obviously, the poor, you know, Pixar revolution. Yeah. But it was very much a thing whereby Fern Gully was so ahead of its time in many aspects. Um, 
in terms of theme and tone, but also its production. But it just didn't have enough money behind it to have that real impact of this is, you know. But as a kid, as, actually, I can't stress enough, as an eight-year-old, I thought it was really pretty. I thought mm. it was really good. I really enjoyed it. As, as a visual spectacle, I think there's some really haunting imagery. It's like, that's quite powerful. You touched on doing some research there, Tim. As you know, I tend to, go and, even when I'm not doing pitches or anything, mm. I did do the synopses, like I said, we'll get into that in a sec. But doing a bit of research, I did almost like the opposite of research and thought, I wonder, like, what the kids these days think of Fern Gully. Is there any, like, context for that? Yeah. Like I said, people around our sort of age, people in their, like, mm. late 20s, 30s, that kind of stuff. Yeah. We have, most of us, except for me, apparently, have a history <laughs> with this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, turns out it's a thing on TikTok. What? Yeah. Yeah. Are there fucking Generation Zedders doing the batty rap? Yes. So, oh Christ! So there's people who um cosplay and like insane, amazing cosplays mm. as Hexus. Oh so wow! Like a full black, and I'll show you guys this uh, afterwards. Mm. Um, full black, like face and body makeup with like the highlighted animated edges in like a light blue, so they look mm. animated but in real life. Mm. And then they do the lip sync to Toxic Loom, <laughs> Slime <laughs> Above Me. Slam beneath me, and it's like really impressive. Um, and then a few people have like cosplayed as a bat and then done the batty rap. Yeah. And for some re weird reason, I found this. I think she was quite young. She looks fairly young. Kind of looks like a model. Yeah. But has these really big eyes. Oh yeah. And sure. everyone's like, oh yeah, you kind of look like Batty from uh from what's that sound mm. from the nineties from Fur Gully. And she was like, oh really? And then she did the batty rap and like matched his facial animations with Ooh. her face. I was like, that's actually really cool. That's mm. quite clever. And I don't know if you've ever seen like before I'm phrase like TikTok dancers do that thing where they try and match the speed and pace of animation in yes. the way they move. They move really quickly and then slow jagged, down and yeah. then yeah. this weird like jagged movement that makes it look unnatural and makes it look animated, like they're skipping frames and stuff. Yeah. Mm. They did that and I was like, that's really impressive and cool. Mm. And syncs up with the batty rap and stuff. And again. They were the only two things that were referenced from that movie. <laughs> it was Toxic Love and the Batty Rap. And then a couple of people were like, let me tell you why Fun Girl is a great fucking movie. And I watched it when I was a kid. And they taught us about the climate crisis. And then we still haven't learned about the climate crisis <laughs> 30 years later and we're all fucked. And it was like, there's a bunch of like millennials saying, it's great. We haven't learned from it, but it was good at the time. And everybody's weirdly attracted to a slime puddle, but <laughs> it's fine. It's well, that's fine. I remember when, because um, people would do the classic thing when uh, when Avatar came out, and the immediate parallels were drawn. People saying, "Oh my god, it's just like uh, Dance with Wolves." And I said, "I think you mean Fern Fucking Gully." Yeah. yeah, that I think that might be the first time Fern Gully came on my radar. <laughs> When I heard Avatar was like, because I kept going. I mentioned in my review, I think. I said at the time, it's basically a fucking Pocahontas. And everybody uh, yes. would correct me and go, uh, I think you mean Third Gully. And I'd be like, okay, mm. I'll take your word for it. I have no idea what that is, but cool. Yeah. So I was like 19 <laughs> by the time I even heard the phrase Third Gully. Probably. Well, again, it's, it's one of those things that sort of blipped and was really big for a little period of time. And then because, as I say, just saturation of stuff and being mm. smothered by Disney and other bits and pieces. And then pick again. You have to remember, 
two or three years after this film came out, fucking Toy Story came out. Yeah. Suddenly it wasn't just Pixar, it was Pixar and Disney. Sorry, it wasn't just Disney, it was Pixar and Disney as well. Yeah. And again, it, the Bluth productions also sort of trailed off and things. Mm. It was like nobody can compete and, with and that shit. Anyone who was doing independent animation that wasn't Disney pivoted hard into CG. Yeah. 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 With interesting results. Yeah. Sometimes it's really good, sometimes it's really bad. But that's the thing, because animation is slow and expensive and cumbersome and, and hard and really hard. Uh, and then obviously DreamWorks tried to do their own thing with they launched up with Prince of Egypt and things and we sort of covered that in the past. Uh, on the musical episode, I'll be brought that up. But again, it was it was just I wouldn't say a flash in the pan because I think Vern Gully the the people who made it have reunions. They meet up all the time, apparently. Um, and it's one of those things. It wasn't just a minor project because they started. Mm. They did research by going to Australia. They um, yeah, it's set in Australia, by the way, folks. Yeah, real weird. Yeah, it's a bit strange. Not a single person has an Australian well, accent in the first fucking. Yeah, because the, the people who okay. So what happened was they were writing a book and said we can make this into a movie. Flew to America and said we're going to release the movie and the book at the same time. They said, "Oh, okay," and then it's like we have a very little limited time to get this film done. So they flew out to this is Croyer and his team flew out to Australia to research it. And suddenly it's like, "Oh, that's a cool little lizard. We'll definitely have him sing a song." That mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it, I love the idea that actually voiced by rapper Tone Loke of all. Yes. Things. Yeah. Like, the fuck was that? I kind of love that though. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I'm gonna eat you. Yeah. His yeah. Whole song. Um, yeah. yeah. It's 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 cool. But the thing is, their studio had like I think like twenty people, maybe twelve people. Mm, right. And then yeah. they came back and said, "We need a lot of animators," and they got obviously two hundred people to come in from in Los Angeles, and they were getting to people from. Thailand, Denmark, all over the fucking shop, just trying to get people to to come in and get animators in. It's it's nice that it got done, and it was a good message, and it, and people were supporting. It, like this is what we should be talking about mm. because it, again, it was a message piece. It wasn't just a classic. Oh, so it's a love story. It's like, no, 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 mm. it's saying something. Um, There's a weird love story in there. We'll get into that. In a minute. Yeah, we'll definitely call it's, that bullshit. Yeah, Ugh. better than sticking your tail in it or your hairpiece or whatever the fuck it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, should, should I get stuck? In we the should synopsis? get into the synopsis. Though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you haven't seen Fern Gully: The Last Rainforest or Fern Gully: To The Magical Rescue, <laughs> prepare for a ride, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I have written the synopses for these two movies. We'll start, of course, with 1992's Fern Gully. The old fairy magi. The sentence tells a story of how the fairies of Fern Gully once lived in harmony with humans, but believes them to have gone extinct after a battle with an evil creature of destruction called Exus. Yep, that's the entire like intro. She tells this epic story, like Lord of the Rings style, a battle mm. five thousand years ago, and <laughs> the big old gnarly tree over there. Mm-hmm. Krista, her apprentice, is barely listening as Magi finishes. That I hate that it's Magi and not Magi, by the way. Because it's spelled like Magi, as in the plural of Magus, but nope. Finishes the story of how she imprisoned Hexus in a tree. One day, Krista explores past the forest canopy against Magi's wishes and sees some smoke and meets Batty, a bat who claims to have been experimented on by humans. He's got like a little tag in his ear. He's been mm-hmm. a, I'm a biological experiment, and he's all freaking out and yeah, do, bit... doing the fourth wall breaking thing that comedy characters do in animated things. Yeah. A bit of loose wiring and you flick it and he changes channel as he yeah. calls it. Wrong channel. He does, uh, it's not Jay Leno. He does a t- talk show host impression and a bunch of other boxes. Is it Carson or Lemon? It it's probably Carson, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, that's Robin Williams. Though. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> a reference that only people get from a certain period of time. Yeah. The fairies don't believe him, except of course, 
for Krista. She then meets Zack, a young lumberjack, who is a human, by the way, mm. who she shrinks when she tries to save him from being crushed by a falling tree. The weird moment where she casts, she die. tries to cast this spell and saves him. She, and yeah, she, I can't remember what she's trying to say, but she says fairy size instead. Yes. Uh, fairy sight is what uh, she's supposed yes. to say. Yeah. Because he, he's supposed to be able to, as if that would have helped the tree not crush him. There's a lot of this weird shit that doesn't make any sense. It's, it's, like... it's the conceit to get him small. Yeah. 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 The tree that Hexus is imprisoned in is cut down by Zach's colleagues, who will later learn are called Tony and Ralph. Because, of course, they are bumbling fucks. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot lumberjacks. Hexus quickly begins to regain his powers by feeding on nearby pollution. Okay. He starts off as a slime puddle, and then as we go through the story, he gets more and more powerful and yeah, sings he, his way he, to glory. Sings his he, way to he more power. Infests this giant, like, log deforesting machine. Whoa, but yeah, spoiler alert, Tim. Yes. But, but yes. Uh, he manipulates Tony and Ralph. Sure. He's like, speak. Their full person is a woman. And then Tim Gurry goes, hey, boys, let's go and cut down the trees and kill the fairies. And they're all like, okay, boys. It's a different person. Listen, if Tim, random... if Tim Curry shows up on your radio telling you to do things, you I obey. Mean, fair. Yeah. Fair. I mean, they're going to cut down the trees anyway. Yeah. yeah. He manipulates Tony and Ralph to drive to Fern Gully with their big logging machine thing. In Fern Gully, Zach meets Pips, who's kind of like the weird, sexy fairy. Yeah, Hunk, hunky eighties fairy, mm. <laughs> voiced by Christian Slater, a fairy jealous of Zach's relationship with Krista. I don't, they don't have a relationship yet. I hasten to add, but they sort of do in a minute, and it's real weird. She's mine. How's that? Because I'm the man I've in the been village. Friends owned, and it's the early nineties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach begins to fall in love with Krista. Of course he does, but hides the true reason that the humans have returned. When the signs of Hex's resurrection begin to manifest themselves in poison trees and rivers around Fern Gully, Zack finally admits that humans are the ones that are destroying the forest. No! He has to have that confession moment. Fairies mount an attempt to defend their homes, but knowing the fight is hopeless, Zack convinces Batty to help him stop the machine before it destroys the forest. This is the logging machine you mm. mentioned earlier, Tim. Mm. When Zack makes his presence known to the other lumberjacks, Hexus takes over the machines and begins to destroy the forest. And this is like a gigantic fucking logging oh, it's a, thing. It's a, it's a Warhammer-style tank. It's a, yeah, yeah, it is. It's a 40K, yeah. Warhammer yeah. 40K-style tank, pretty much. Magi sacrifices herself for some reason to give the fairies a chance to escape. She fridges I herself. I guess she fridges herself, yeah. basically. I think she sort of distributes her magic she amongst does. all the other fairies. Yeah, she makes thing. them all magical. Because they basically do a spirit bomb thing and like channel all the yeah, magic. They, all, they go from mostly having blue lights to having green they lights. Have, yeah, the light of their little flying Lightsaber upgrade. Yeah, yeah. And there's a weird like Papa Smurf character who's maybe Krista's dad? He's Krista's dad in the sequel. Yeah, it's never yes. mentioned if he yeah, is. She calls, the... Yeah, mm, yeah. Weird. Uh, so Magic mm. sacrifices herself and Zack manages to stop the machine by like crawling inside and getting the thing and the button, the pressing the button, trying to turn to the key. Turn to the key. Turn to the key. That was it. A human size. Well, for him, it is tiny fairy size. Light is the same size as him. So it's quite a quite yeah. a feat. Yeah. Hexus returns to his oily form in the machine and begins to set the forest ablaze. He explodes in fire for some reason. 
guess it gets into the engine or you something. know oil and shit. Yeah, that's that's how that works. Yeah, Krista sacrifices herself by carrying a sprouting seed into Hexus's mouth, like that classic D and D thing of like, what happens if I put a tree in a dragon's mouth and it goes? Mm. <laughs> it begins to sprout limbs and leaves just like a tree. The fairies rally to the powers. They have been given, as we mentioned, they kind of spirit bomb the whole thing and channel all the hey, all the fairies, go gather your magic. Like, Help it grow, fuckers! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which causes the... That's the exact wording right there. That's Christian Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> Which causes the seeds to start growing wildly. Hexus and the machine are both imprisoned by the newly grown tree. The big magical tree. I think a big clearing, and it's not as gnarled and horrible as the last one. No. Krista appears after the fight. Having survived, even though she sacrificed, yeah, it's in a flash. It's Animation fine. stuff, and succeeds Magi as the magical fairy, which is a title, even though they all have magic now. So yeah, I was I saying that like... she must have absorbed it back in again. I guess so. She gives Zach a seed, begging him to remember, <laughs> begging him to remember everything he's learned, and she restores him to his human size. Zach promises to remember his adventure and buries the seed in the soil before telling the other lumberjacks they need to leave the forest. Alone. The seed sprouts new growth for Ferngully, and the forest is healing. So I skipped a bunch of the weird romance shit because yeah, I don't want to talk about no one them them. dancing to shitty like rock and roll. Very early nineties bollocks. I've heard music. This is a music. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I, I I there's a lot to like about it. It's very simple. The message is very earnest. It constantly just says you know, seeds can, you know, the smallest things come from seeds. If you just plant a seed, you grow things. It's like, yeah. I, know. <laughs> and I love the idea, like, you know, Zach will change the world. No, you fucking won't. You're not changing shit. But for an eight-year-old, yeah. Humans <laughs> learn their lesson. I, I remember we've not now, cut any forests down since, right, guys? We're not, like, burning the rainforest at the minute. We're fine. We haven't burned it for a whole two weeks. It actually, the Fern Gully actually got shown at the UN in it 1992 did. for Earth Fuck Day. Really? Oh they had my a screening God. of it, yeah. And right, obviously yeah. everybody learned their lesson. Yeah. <laughs> Just the same way Greta Thunberg said, you know, yeah. you betrayed us, I'm ashamed You've of you. You've ruined my like childhood. Going, I loved Fern Gully and yeah. you fucked it up. And they're <laughs> clapping like, no, 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 no. She's telling you off. Don't yeah. clap, you mm. fucks. Um, agree with her and do something. But the point is yeah. that it did have a simple message. And sometimes when you're a kid, a simple message is all you kind of need. A simple message is... Have sex in a lake. <laughs> Fucking do a weird like hand holdy thing, and then nearly kiss, but don't actually kiss. Yeah. And then keep it chased, but not really. I mean, I remember now who Pips reminds me of, and I can't believe it took me this long to place it. Pips is Pan when Pan grows up, as in Peter Pan. Oh, yes. right, yeah, yeah. He's Peter Pan yeah. in his early twenties. Yeah, yeah. yeah, everything about With him wings. is big. Yeah, exactly. He's he he he's absorbed Tinkerbell's powers of wings and yes. shit and it's become He's the this... son of Peter Pan and Tinkerbell oh, oh my god me. Tim that's it Tim god damn nailed it that is terrifying and <laughs> so sexually accurate <laughs> horny Tim is back ladies and gentlemen <laughs> even in the first never episode. went away <laughs> <laughs> I've I always laid, been I laid dormant I've been waiting so yeah, it's it, it's remarkably straightforward. It's got some really powerful, simple imagery. Um, the idea that when they're going through, they're marking the trees they cut down with red crosses, and obviously it looks like blood mm. on her hands. So it's spray paint. Simple shit mm. that is just not reductive, but very clear. Mm. It's not necessarily as powerful as good as saying like a, a Ghibli film making a really strong mm. statement piece that cuts through, and you're not entirely sure how or why, but you want to 
spend some time in the mm. wilderness or the woods just sort of being part of it. But Fern Gully is trying something, mm. and I, I very much respect it for that. Yeah, I mean, you can also... You can level at some some criticisms at it where it's like, like, oh well, humans aren't really responsible for the production. It's this supernatural yeah. bad thing that's causing it, yeah. and you know, once you've got rid of that, then you know the humans will all learn their lessons and decide never to cut down a tree. Again. And it's a little bit, but you know, also it's a kids' film, and so you can kind of understand it yeah. that it wants to keep the message very simple and just say, hey, cutting down the trees is bad, and looking after the environment is good. Yeah. I mean, we we were getting around that time simple warnings of big corporate takeover stuff and and and, and presence and governmental mm. things is bad with things even things like a fucking Space Jam. Mm. The Space Jam message is they're going to take us away and make us, you know, just play Grand the, the corporate yeah kind of thing, big yeah. corporate mm. bullshit playing mm. the hits over and over and over until we die. Mm. And Jordan, you'll just have to fucking sign your name away and just be this sort of brand. Mm. Um, both those things came true. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, it's you know, like we said, it's that it's around the time of Captain Planet. Yeah. There's there's so much in the air around that time. Yes. Of this message, and so this was in a way, it's just another part of that. But also, it was one of the kind of the purest examples of it. Very much it, so. Because it's so simplistic, it's not trying to do a bunch of other stuff. No. It's just saying like, here's this very simple but important message, yeah. and kids need to hear it. Yeah. It didn't bury it. It didn't hide it. It thought. Maybe they'll just, if I'm being very uh, earnest for a second, very sincere, maybe this film is the seed inside those kids. Like, no, this will genuinely grow as a message that you'll understand. You mm. will actually think to yourself, maybe I should take care of the planet. The problem was, in the early 90s, along with everything else, the branding that went along with it, this is when we get around the time, carbon footprint wasn't a statement yet, but it was mm. growing. It was a whole, like, you need to recycle. You need to do mm. this. What change can you make? The answer is, a little but not enough, but the the swing was always, I mean, we may start to see problems in 50 years' time. Mm. Well, guess what, dickheads? <laughs> it's now 30 years later, and we're seeing a lot of fucking <laughs> shit, and 20 years' time is the 50-year mark, so I think we're in a bit of fucking trouble mm. right now. So things like that, for example. But I also think it's worth pointing out that it is our, essentially our generation, as we've said, it's our generation yeah. who grew up with these kind of media, and we are much more environmentally conscious we are than more our conscious. predecessors. That yep. is true. Yep. You that know. is true. Um, we, we have grown up. And it's not just people who were like... And part of that is just the immediacy of, hey, the planet's on fucking fire. Yeah. Um, but also, I think it is down to stuff like this where, you know, there were... Obviously, there was there was bits in the 70s and 80s oh, yeah, that were saying, course. you know, and, and earlier that were like... You know, don't shoot your BB gun at that squirrel. The squirrel <laughs> is a living animal. It yeah. has rights. Don't start fires in the forest. Yes. Why but, not? I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> fairies live there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it. I think our generation grew up with stuff that was a lot more consciously trying to put that uh, that message across. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's to 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 be fair to older generations than millennials or Gen X who. That's, they, they would be the first to bit. They didn't care. They were neglected. And above, which is the boomers, um, there are always going to be pockets and examples of individuals who have always been trying since day fucking one, who have been living as best as they can, as self-sufficiently as they can, and doing what they can. The problem is, like everything, you need to make a big change and impact people enough. And more importantly for companies, 
it needs to be marketable. It needs to be something you can sell. And at the minute, in terms of, you know, a lot of progressive things in terms of obviously representation, in terms of the environment, in terms of equality, it's now a very strong marketable demographic. People like that thing, so they're going to sell it to you. Mm -hmm. People like, you know, the idea that, oh, we're very, you know, we'll be carbon neutral by mm. whatever. or that kind of, They don't necessarily always mean it, but they want to appear to mean it because mm. they know that the, the future of their company will be people who will actually say, right, I hear what your product is. I hear what the price is, but what's your ethos behind it? Because mm -hmm. if that's not all three aren't working, I'm not going to buy the product. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We should talk about the magical rescue. Now Shouldn't let's talk about the magical let's rescue. Let's on to the magical rescue. What? important message does it have for us jack leave the babies alone <laughs> that's the important message <laughs> am i wrong no, no you no. are absolutely <laughs> correct let's journey all the way to 1998 once again to the forests of australia we return to a considerably less interesting forest of fern gully krista and pips have a contest over who can grow the best plant i guess Wink. Oh. While Pips expresses a desire to see more of the outside world, to Pinky and the Brain, basically. They literally yeah, do a yeah. like, what are we doing tonight, Pips? Well, we're going to go and see the outside world. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Just... It, unfortunately, it's not quite um, Maurice LaMarche and uh, Rob Paulson. But... It's not quite the original <laughs> cast either. Yeah, but, <laughs> hasten to add, none of the original cast are back. It's a big old mess. Yeah. Suddenly, Batty, again, not played by Robin Williams, arrives in a panic, warning that human poachers are right behind him. These very straight British. Well, it's kind of like Quentin Tarantino in Django Unchained. It's like, what? what's this? Yeah. Oh, it's like, yeah, I don't mm. need this. <laughs> yeah. They think he's Australian. He speaks with a kind of like dodgy English accent. It's, it's weird. Their poachers show up with their dogs and capture some of the very Australian. They keep calling them babies. <laughs> they never call them animals. I call them animals in my synopsis yeah. here. Yeah. Because I refuse to describe them as babies. Be less creepy. They exclusively call them babies. Yeah. For like the rest of the film. And Batty is just like, we got to get the babies. <laughs> it's so weird. They are baby animals. They are small yeah. animals. Yeah. Baby animals. Yeah. I guess. But they know humans exist. Oh no! I, I just maybe humans for the audience know. listening. It's not like they're like you know they call it every animal, but but to be fair, it's still fucking weird. Yeah, it's, it's weird. like a baby kangaroo and a yes. baby koala and a baby wombat. I want to say wombat. Yeah, there's a wombat. Yeah. Some yeah. classic Australian yeah. shit. In yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Think of all the Australian mammals and their crocodiles, fucking <laughs> babies of them. Thousands of tiny spiders. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to save the babies? Fuck them. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Thanks. Yeah. Let them burn. There's 1,500 tarantulas in that box. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. That's the boob box. <laughs> no, that's a scorpion. We follow their escape attempt for some reason. We have like a whole babies, uh, animals talk now, and they're just like, the babies are talking like oh, yeah. adult adult animals in the first one, like iguana and mm -hmm. whatever. Like, sure, these babies are just chilling, just chatting like normal humans. It's weird. Uh, and Pips and the Beetle Boys. <laughs> yep, not a movie about Krista. You, Pips is the main character. Yeah, you missed out the Beetle Boys um, in the first one. I, I fuck mean, the Beetle Boys. 
I feel like this film doesn't know who the main character. Oh, that that's that's the, that's the correct yeah. answer. Yeah, they think Pips is the main character. Pips is the main character for like a, about a segment, about forty five percent. Yeah, Krista's basically not in this film. Yeah, she just spoiler alert. She just shows up at the end and is like, "Oh, I finally caught up with you guys." Like, Where the fuck have you been for the last day and a half? I've mm. been rehabilitating this dog. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Pretty much. Uh, it, as I say, Pips and the Beetle Boys swoop in to save the babe. One of the poachers manages to set the forest on fire with like a torch thing. That makes no sense. Yeah. Um, and they escape, leaving Mama Kangaroo and one of the dogs behind. Mama Karang- Kangaroo literally does a No! I, <laughs> my baby! I laughed out loud <laughs> so did when I. that happened yeah, because so it's, it's so hilarious. It just. It's a literally like you could cut between that and the Vader no in Return yeah. of the Sith. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. Literally, as she's going, my baby, hard cut to Pips for some reason, as he and the Beetle Boys volunteer to follow the humans and rescue the baby animals, convincing the very reluctant Batty to be their guide. They arrive at a town mu- amusement park, and here we go. Oh. They have fun, 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 <laughs> fun, 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 fun. <laughs> Fun, 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 fun. That's the thing Tim was referencing in his intro. Yeah. Fun, 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 fun. There's a whole song where they say fun like 400 fucking times. And they basically get like high on amusement park. Yes. Spirit. They get they get, yeah. they get hooked on all yeah. that sugar get... and and overpriced carnival yeah. games. Yeah. 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 It doesn't go full on pink elephants, but it's not exactly. No, hard. no. Well, I wish it kind of wish it did. Yeah. And real mental and creepy. Back in Fern Gully, Krista finds and helps one of the poacher's dogs, as we mentioned earlier, who was caught in a trap and decides to return him to the town. We don't see her for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> Pips and the Beetle Boys meet a girl named Budgie, who is training to be a clown for some yes. reason. <laughs> what, sure. is this, what is this B-plot nonsense? Yeah. Pips introduces himself, and she gives them their shelter in her trailer, because she's like, yeah, cool, fairies are a thing, I'm a kid, That's no, no worries. Batty has located the poacher's place, but the others are like too drunk and distracted <laughs> on all the colours and sugar and wonderfulness yeah. of the human world. Until Bark. What is Bark, by the way? Oh my god, yes. I, I've written yeah. an anthropomorphic piece of Bark or maybe a fucking chestnut or something. <laughs> I think he's, he's meant... supposed to be a ladybird, maybe, was I my think... guess. I think he's meant to be so like the Beetle Boys are kind of they're a bit like the fairies. But they're more anim- sort of more insectile. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's meant to be like a a baby one of those, maybe based on like a woodlouse. Maybe. Yeah, I'd say he that's looks, fair. Yeah. He looks like a fucking. Uh, um, uh, to quote myself, a fucking chestnut or something. Yes, <laughs> or uh, a a Kabuto from Pokemon. He does look like yeah. a Kabuto from Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> Weird little creature. This bark. Um. Bark and Batty fly off and go and try and make a rescue attempt, but Batty is unfortunately captured. Pips tells Budgie that she's trying too hard at being a clown because Pips is a dick. Pips is a dick. Yeah. And, she, and that she should just, like, feel it and do it, you know? Maybe if you try not being depressed, it's like, thank you. <laughs> hey, nine-year-old, have you tried Fucking not being depressed? Great advice. Yeah. Batty overcomes his terror and manages to reassure the other captured animals. He's like freaking out, obviously being recaptured after being experimented on, as he yeah. mentioned in the first film. At back at the fair, Budgie goes to a contest stand 
and wins a stuffed kangaroo. Which reminds Pips, oh my god, the babies! <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about the babies! I forgot about the babies! Uh, he's supposed to be saving them, he just fucking forgets. He's like, oh yeah, snaps out of it. He tells Budgie about them, and she's like, oh cool, yeah, I'll come, I'll come help you then. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> As if it's all perfectly normal. I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> yeah, saying I wasn't even training to be a clown, it's fine. As the fairies catch up with the poachers, the poachers drive off, ready for the... if it, child stunt acting if this was live action. <laughs> Budgie jumps off a ledge and lands on the side of the fucking truck <laughs> and hangs off it like Jason fucking Statham. Yep. <laughs> it's mad. They then drive past her fucking granddad, I think it is. The old man. The old man. Yeah, I don't know. The never never established quite no, what he's his just, relationship like, is. Just, just, just another, another circus man. Yeah, yeah, friendly circus man. What could different, possibly different go wrong? Different to the man who would chastise her for not being a good enough clown. Yeah. yeah. He, he's a questionable carny. Just, just, he's <laughs> just there. <laughs> He's a, he's a carny that owns a fucking Inspector Gadget mobile. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He spots her hanging off the back of the truck and gives chase in the Inspector Gadget mobile, as you rightly said, Tim. Budgie somehow manages to get inside the car and free all of the birds from the cages. It's climbing all the way round under the tarp. Yeah. What the fuck is going on in this movie? The poachers see Budgie trying to get in the car and one of them climbs out of the truck to kick her off the side. Murder a nine-year-old girl just to be safe. Oh my god, she manages to get away. Not going back to prison. <laughs> <laughs> and he unlatches the, the like bit of the car she's attached to. She somehow ends up on the side of the car, dangling off a cliff. <laughs> because fuck this movie. Mild peril, rated you. Yeah. <laughs> and Batty catches her and manages to lift yes, her. A, a bat lifts a, like a, a ten-year-old child. Yeah. And she's a, a full-sized human nine-year-old. Like a fruit bat with the hold both of your hands out unless you're driving uh, in front of you. That's about the wingspan of the bat. Yeah. It's not going to be doing much. Picks up an entire nine-year-old yeah. child. No, yeah. Notably, incredibly strong yeah. mammals. Yeah. Yeah. Bats. To be fair, fruit bats can get fucking massive. That's very true. But batty to scale is not fucking massive. No. If it was one of those big motherfuckers, then I'd be like, oh, yeah. okay. And that girl would shit her pants. <laughs> <laughs> and she's kidnapped by this fucking demon creature. This giant fox yeah. with wings. Like, and oh, then, Christ. Yeah. And then Budgie's granddad, Carney granddad, catches up with mm. her and catches them both in a net and saves them all. Net, for fuck's sake. Yep. Tim, hope there's no nets in your fucking face. <laughs> the group then head. There's no nets. Yay. The group then head, by clown car no less, to the ship where the animals are being loaded. Pips undoes the conveyor belt so the cages land in the granddad's car. I'm calling him granddad, I don't care. Into the carney's car. A struggle for the cages and shoes between the poachers and Budgie while Krista and Boo finally fucking show up. <laughs> like 55 in... Is this an hour and 10 movie? It's yeah. like 48 minutes later they go, hello, we're here. I brought the dog. Everything's fine. Yeah. And then the other dog is like, well, fuck these guys. If that dog's all right, I'm going to turn. And the poacher's dogs turn on them. Because they're innocent. They're, they're yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Totally it's fine the poachers is a problem. Exactly. Humans all are the dogs worst. go to heaven. Correct. Mm. The boat gets away. Apart from the, the glass traitors in the Paw Patrol. Yeah. <laughs> the boat gets away, and the fairies use their magic to stop it from, by growing a gigantic tree. 
My because God, that's which, an original resolve. What the fuck? Which you do wonder, like, why didn't you do that right at the beginning when they were just like animals in cages? What? <laughs> yep. One of them almost drowns as <laughs> he escapes because, yep. And Budgie and her granddad adopt dogs and all the animals and fairies return home and everything's fine and happy ending, blah, blah, blah. It's bad, folks. Yeah. And then she, Pip, Pips and Krista bang like mad little fairies. <laughs> it's a weird, like, sexual tension in this one. And then they're just like, nope. They, yeah, they We're draw. I mean, okay, so Chris, Krista in the first film is a very sort of Feruza Bulk looking motherfucker um, with a big <laughs> 90s, I know 80s people hair. find her weirdly attractive. And me watching this as a 31 year old, I'm like, are you people high? <laughs> this is weird. Different time. Um, but it's, you know, scantily clad woman from the past. It's, it's the same, yeah. like the, you know, the, the mm. little and mermaid a lot kind of, of shit. That, uh, born sexy yesterday oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Very naive about the human world. That's, yes. Teach me about human love, Zach. Yes. What mm. is love? <laughs> well, it's a thing between two adults who... What is this thing you call? A penis. <laughs> what is rimming? <laughs> <laughs> Make hey, it grow. Uh, we, we exclusively um, do rimming and fern gully. Fern gully to the magical forest of rimming. Um, so yeah, and, and and I think then it's 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 there, but it's like, you know still that weird chase style of like that nobody actually really does anything, and everything's a near miss. And even then, it's an un- not unrequited, but it, it's an unresolved thing because obviously Zach goes back into the human world to be a bodacious babe. Um, <laughs> I did mention that. Yeah, yeah. and you are one bodacious babe. For fuck's sake! And Pips has no nipples. Um, <laughs> Why would he need them? Fairies don't rest. Well, you're milking uh, fairies now. You don't know that? You freak. You don't know that? He's a marsupial. He's got a pouch. <laughs> um, the poacher is, if anything, kind of more terrifying than Hexus. Because, hear me out. Hexus is designed magnificently and performed magnificently. He doesn't mm. really do much, though, does he? No. He yeah. is also reliant on that engine going. Yeah. He, he literally sucks the pipe of the... Uh, Oh. Of the um of the machine, the <laughs> woodpecker machine, and he's like, you know, he's he survives on human smog and mm. grime and pollution. That's the whole thing. It's a very simple metaphor. Mm. The poachers are like, I'm just an evil guy. I was like, we gonna do? I'm gonna take these animals oh, and do yeah. them. Sell take them. these what, Matthew? Oh, sorry, <laughs> babies. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, and and you know, <laughs> sell them, skin them, whatever. It's it's just somehow it's, it's worse. There's also the weirdly uh like. Is he like Swedish ship captain at the end of the? Yeah. Oh yeah. Where they're like, oh yeah. now nah, he's he's your babies, mate. Um, and yeah, who's like, I don't know if he's meant to be like the guy in charge of it or he's just another link just in the chain. Yeah. yeah. No idea. It just goes to show. It's like who's the head of this thing? I can cut it off and it'll be done. There is no head. Yeah. It's just humans. But it's it like, also oh. it, it's so t- it's so like. His introduction at the end, where you're just like, who's this fucker now? Like, why aren't they just driving the ship? <laughs> is so of a type, uh, is so like of a piece with this film where it's like, oh, we're halfway through. Here's a clown girl. She's your protagonist now. Yeah. Like, what? First, we didn't have the protect, like, you, okay, like, Zach doesn't come back. Fine. That's fine. But like, you've got Krista there as the main, 
who is arguably the main character of the first film, if she not is. like she's hundred percent. Yeah, the first. she's yeah. not the uh, yeah, audience yeah. surrogate, so it were, but she's yeah. the main character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then they're just like, ah, oh, no, it's fucking weird. This one's about pips. Like, really? It's also about a nine-year-old clown. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, we've decided. Sure. We've realised that Pips is a terrible main character, but we already animated that half of the film, and so <laughs> now we're just going to bring in someone else. Pretty much. So, before we uh, spin off into fixing it and all that good stuff, I actually have the original messages from Xenos here on Patreon when we first discussed oh. this. Um, and I have, I'll have a question for you that will lead into uh, us talking about Rotten Tomatoes and pitching in a moment. We sent a message. Hey, Xenos. We're currently sorting out the pictures for season nine. So if you're happy and ready to reveal your vague pick you hinted at before, please let us know as soon as possible. Thanks. Oh, we're fucking charming. Might as well then. Bungali 2, The Magical Rescue. Long story short, I saw this on VHS as a child, having no idea it was a sequel. And when I took my EP position, I heard about the sequel being worse than the original and thought, ah, ripe for sequelizing. Then I looked up the sequel for details and realised it was the one I'd watched and enjoyed. But he likes Fern Gully too. Senos? You're wrong. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, if you've seen it when you're a young enough child, when you don't, when you just sit down in front of a thing and be like, ah, oh, it's fair. Fun. It's I a like story about joke. fairies in the woods. It's yeah. great. Yeah, I get that, I get that. I had no Still idea wrong. what the original film was like. I've now watched the original, and while I understand why the sequel has been rated badly, I genuinely like it as a film and don't think it needs a lot of work to bring it up to par with the first one. Right. You are incorrect. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, look, to, to explain, and not, not, hopefully not in a condescending or patronizing way, but it's me, so it's going to You be are wrong, sir. Yeah. As I always maintain, you can enjoy it. You can have a childhood nostalgia for it. You can have a You always talk about this, the difference between the best and the favorite movies. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's crucial. And... The story beats, the continuity of flow and of just the progressive arc of characters, the fact that it doesn't have a central character, the fact that it doesn't really have a theme, and the fact that it doesn't really have uh, a resolve. Uh, um, oh, babies. Save the babies. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But the point is that you have a sense of hope with the Zack part because you're like, he has this message. He's going to go off and hopefully be the one man who saves what is it? Because again, it's the classic, like, is it enough to change one person's mind? It's like, I fucking hope so, because that's the only thing you can do. That's mm. that's the true message behind it. It's like, great, yeah. I, that's uh, commendable. What's the message of the second one? It's like, well, poaching is bad. It's like, don't I already be, fucking don't, figured... Don't be a poacher. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. thinking that was bad already. <laughs> yeah, it's like, which which of the kids... Like, the, 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 the tiny percentage of kids that were thinking about growing up to be animal poachers <laughs> yeah. might have what had What do you want to be when you grow yeah. up, Jimmy? Uh, I'd like to be a poacher. I mean, I don't think people grow up and want to be like fucking lumberjacks either. Well, maybe not necessarily uh-huh. that version of lumberjacking. Yeah, um, all those famous Australian lumberjacks. Yeah. Loggers. Yeah. But um, it's more... They're probably s- called logos, aren't they? Logos. <laughs> yeah, that's what they do in the toilet. <laughs> but, pitched off a logo. Go in there, I just dropped a logo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, um, but it yeah, the squeezed ice- out a hexus. <laughs> <laughs> it's all up the wall. Um, a slime above me. <laughs> slime beneath me. <laughs> a portal is written off. Um, but toxic this- log. <laughs> <laughs> Did that get Matt? <laughs> but the sequel is very um, okay. 
if so much research and effort and heart and time went into constructing the first one in terms of its quality, its story, mm. it, the amount of edits and drafts it would have had to make this thing feel fleshed out real and in, you know impactful in a certain way, the second one doesn't have any of that. It feels, despite being several, like six years later, it still feels rushed. It's straight to DVD budget nonsense, it's, right? Like, yeah, yeah, they're going for what is the cheapest, fastest um, option. Like, mm, we don't care. And that's not what a message piece film should ever be. Is yeah. eh, we don't care what this thing does. Yeah. It's like you should. That's the only reason you exist. Mm. It's very, it's very like, oh yeah, the first one had a environmental message. Don't kill baby animals. That'll do. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that way we can animate some baby animals, and kids will think they're cute. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's none, none of that. Like. Fern Gully is not a particularly subtle film, no, but no, this no. is so just like yeah. unsubtle and and it also veers into messages of like don't go to amusement parks or watch too much TV or eat yeah. too much sweets. It's the Saturday morning cartoon Guess, bullshit. Like, yeah, it goes from the late eighties. You can do whatever you like. GI Joe. Yeah. <laughs> It goes from there. The late eighties. You can do whatever you like. To the nineties. Kids have to be protected. Mm. They're not. You know. Um, yeah. From from this like. Children are smart. They'll save the world. To children don't know what's best for them. They have to be protected. Oh well, they would think of the children. It also does the thing which we've criticised in the past, where it's like it's a kids' film. It's got to have a kid at the centre. We need yeah. a nine-year-old in this to do to, to to take part in mild peril. Like kids loved the first one anyway, and it, like yeah. Zach is clearly in his like twenties, and yeah, the fairies are kind of in that of I that think age Zach as well. Is canonically like 17 in the He's first movie or something probably, like that yeah. okay which is real weird he looks like a 25 year old motherfucker looks like a 25 year old motherfucker exactly have you met an australian teenager that's true they all look like chris the hemsworth so yeah like eight they look more. like them yeah. yeah yeah um but i was gonna say that um the first one is obviously not perfect in any way shape or form mm. it's good and passable but i wouldn't necessarily go out my way to recommend it even now there are better films that have that sort of message that do that sort of thing. And again, they're probably coming from Japan. But <laughs> I would probably say that you watch those, you'll get more of an impact behind it. But again, at the time, it, it meant a lot to people. So I think there is a lot of you know positive nostalgia for it. And the same way, I don't discredit um, Xenos' affection for the second film. Oh, well, I'm going to get into but more of this need, in a second. Yeah, you really need to do a lot to bring it up to even the standard of the first one. One thing that bugged me so much about Magical Rescue is the size of the fairies compared to the size of other animals is yep. so inconsistent. Yes, yep. and to and to humans and to the objects they're interacting, it like they it is all it's so slapdash and so all over the shop. And mm. like the first one, at least had that level of consistency of like, no, these are the size they are at now. Yeah. Like you know, and it, and it's it's because you follows have a, through an art director oversight. You've got someone saying, this is your board of reference shots for heights, ways, how they look at certain things you could do. I think for the originals, they did like clay models and 3D so that mm. everyone would know the exact same shape, size, and they would all be uniform. Whereas on a cheaper production, you go, fuck it. And then no one's going to call up like, you know, waste time saying, so in this one scene that I'm animating that's maybe like four seconds long and in 24 frames a second, I've got to go do two shots per whatever it is. So you got like mm. 120 mm. images and it's like so mm. much hand-drawn shit. It's like, am I going to bother chasing up whether the fairy is 
you know, this six big, inches or a foot tall yeah, kind of like, thing. Yeah. I'm kind of, it, it's my scene. I'm getting paid. I'm getting done. Yeah. So it, everything about it feels slapdash from, from top to bottom. Speaking of slapdash, back to Xenos's yes, message. Sorry. Yeah. He goes on to talk about where it's available on streaming. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. You can pay extra to watch it and stuff. Uh, I presume you won't be able to easily source VHS copies for the sequel. No shit, Xenos. It's 2021. <laughs> I haven't seen a VHS in like 15 fucking years. VHS players be the fucker to source uh, that Yeah, one. yeah. I know, I know one person with a VHS player. That's Ben Allen from the Super 8-Bit Power Hour. Because <laughs> he also has all the old fucking consoles know. and stuff as oh, well. Oh, he does, yes, yeah. And probably anime on He's VHS got some old anime on VHS, but yeah. does, I probably I imagine Ashen's got I was going to say, I would have thought almost Ashen's certainly does. Yeah, of course he does. Player. Of course he does. Um, and he also gave us a YouTube link for Fern Gully 2, which is just oh yeah, in its entirety, There's... and then the soundtrack cuts out for the last like, <laughs> half an hour, and it's just silent for but half that, an hour. But that's okay because there's multiple versions of it on YouTube Correct. that are just yeah. available to watch because nobody's fucking chasing up the copyright on Fern Gully yeah. 2. <laughs> uh, nope. The film has been uploaded in its entirety on YouTube, so you can watch that. I'd suggest this link worked last time I checked, since the other one I found had half of the soundtrack removed. Here's where we get to the interesting bit. That said, and I think this is the first like most specific request we've had from an EP. Mm-hmm. Be interested if you remember us talking about this back in June. I did not. Excellent. So <laughs> that said, I would consider it a personal favor if whoever does the pitch can remove the clown car. Oh. <laughs> well done, I, I, done. I'm hasten to add, <laughs> but nothing else. <laughs> why do you Why do you think he wants the clown car removed? I don't know if you guys remember this. I remember reading this uh, message and now. laughing Sorry, out loud. Any guesses? Any guesses? Clown, clown phobia? I'm not afraid of clowns. The clowns can stay if you want, but the clown car is too much of a deus ex machina. <laughs> I think you ought to go. I mean, fair. <laughs> it's not. It's not it's, it's... It could have been any fucking car. It doesn't matter. Oh but yeah, again, God. it's that critical mindset. It's like, I guess, not to put words in, you, in his mouth, but it, it's translating to. What I really don't like about this is that there's a cheap Deus Ex Machina. Can you not have that? And it's like, mm. yeah, fuck, I, yeah, that is you are correct there. Yeah, but it's manifested by a clown car. Yeah, which yeah. is true. My reply was, "Holy shit, that's a curveball! I had no idea there was a Fern Gully too, which was true at the time." Yeah, it's very odd that you're picking a sequel you like, but hey, you're the executive producer, so we'll do as we're told, I guess, and we'll try to remember to remove the clown car as well. Tim apparently has unknowingly <laughs> removed the clown car. <laughs> And he's, I have an idea of how I'd personally change it, but I'll save that for when the episode is ready. Yeah, very curious. Episode is ready and see what you do with it. Uh, just there to, we go. To, to, to give some spoilers, I have veered <laughs> far from Fern Gully 2, the magical rescue. I am not Fern Gully 2, clown adventures. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I apologize in advance to Xenos because I've not stuck to the template of well, this. We always do the thing. I'm not saying good, but good. Do, do you hew close to the mark and just fix things or do we go bat shit and just do what you like and sometimes the EPs are obviously everyone just seems to be happy because like well it's an improvement I'll take it um, even Jonathan First Clark when Tim did begrudgingly Riddick. yeah yeah. and it was that uh, we've had this since day one pretty much when we had the two teams of yeah, team prizes yeah, pitching yeah. and stuff we very very often would fall into the pattern of one of the teams is a lot closer to the original and is basically tweaking and fixing and doing all that kind of stuff and the other one does some bat shit madness that has nothing to do with anything from the original bad sequel. Mm. And we still have it now between we the do, three of us. Do. Obviously, we've all, I think we've all done it at this point where we've yeah. stuck fairly close and fixed it and completely gone off the walls and done something completely original. And I'm not going to lie to him. I'm glad you've 
fucking bin this one and <laughs> I, gone for something I completely think new. You could have saved bits, but I don't think I would have respected you. <laughs> <laughs> two words for you: pink elephant. <laughs> I, I think at the end of the day, Fern Gully Two ends, and there's not really a huge amount of open threads to go. Oh, that'd be interesting to return to. It's like no, no, no. It's it's a one and done kind of film, in my opinion. Two and done, Matthew. One and done kind of film, Jack. <laughs> and I don't think there's anything you really... Isn't there's like open, like, well, that'd be interesting to see how things are coming along or whatever. It's like, yeah, sure, if you revisit it, fine. I'm not going to say, no, don't do that. But at the same time, I don't think it's in any way necessary. And I, I, personally, this is my little challenge to you, Tim. I, I would say you'd have to have some sort of message. The message is the key thing. So I'm curious to see where you're going to go with this. Because again, I... I respect Tim's pitch. I respect Jack's pitches. I respect my pitches to a degree. Um, it's the idea of if you can tell me why you've made the decision, like, yeah, fair, I get that. That makes sense. Mm. So I'm very curious because I think I think of of the three of us, obviously we all did very, very different things with this, but I don't think any of us would have sort of salvaged the original in any way, shape, or form. No. No. Budgie can get in the bin. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Let's fix it. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. That's the same year as Fern Gully too, Tim. Not anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do to Stamps.com, Tim? <laughs> I, Stamps, took the, I took the clown car out of I Stamps. I took the clown car out. <laughs> Stamps.com brings the services of the US Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send it. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off no traffic, no lines. You can cut the confusion out of shipping with Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool. You can compare shipping rates and timelines to find the best post option very easily. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk, and with our promo code POD, that's POD, uh, you will get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in POD, that's stamps.com, promo code P-O-D. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Never go to the post office again. Never yeah. go to the post office again. Our second sponsor for this episode is Audible. Audible has thousands upon thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, comedy specials, and a wealth of other audio content mm. that you can access for one cheap monthly fee. Including us. You Including us. us. You can find us on Audible. Yeah, hello. Um, there are guided wellness programs. There are theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals that you won't find anywhere else. Um, We'd like to recommend a, uh, a particular title on Audible when we're talking about their service. And, uh, hey, uh, 
would you be interested in a story about a hidden tropical wilderness yeah. that features a performance by Tim Curry? Oh, Tim, yes, I would. Then you should check out the exclusive to Audible version of Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, wow. Performed yeah. by Tim Curry. Oh, Unabridged like and exclusive to Audible. Nice. A Jules Verne classic featuring like jungle and dinosaurs and all kinds of fucked up shit. And Tim Curry's voice. And Tim Curry's delicious mellifluous voice. Mm. You can only mellifluous Tim. Mm, yeah. Nice. You can only find that on Audible. Uh where you can also find thousands of other titles. You can download stuff and listen to it offline anytime and anywhere. It's free for the app, which can you can get on smartphones and tablets, as well as listening on your desktop or laptop. You can listen across your various devices without losing your spot. Um, and you can get all of that as a 30-day free trial and get one free audiobook, for example, Journey to the Center of the Earth, or something else. We won't begrudge you if you pick something else. Mm -hmm. um, you can get all of that uh, by going to audibletrial.com slash sequel for a 30-day free trial and one free audiobook. That's audibletrial.com slash sequel. And uh, get listening. Time for me to do some Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Um, if you're new to the show, hello. Sit down. Enjoy yourself. Why did you join us on the Fern Gully episode? Everybody's got a first episode. That's true. That's true. Um, yes, Stan, we're, we're going to discover that there's a huge wealth of people out there who oh, fucking love Fern Gully and Rex all over again. Like I said, you know, I do my research. I found them on TikTok. I also yeah. found some podcast episodes about Fern Gully as well. Okay. I didn't quite find, like I did with National Treasure, an entire podcast about <laughs> it. But I do like to find out, like, what have other podcasters said? What sure. have other shows that are similar to us or other movie podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, one I did really enjoy was Chasing Childhood, where they take, they rewatch childhood movies and analyze them as basically people in their oh, 30s. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah. It's quite a cool premise there. And yeah, they did Fern Gully. Interesting. Good. Oh, check that out. But we, we need to talk some tomatoes. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. So, so if you're new to the show, we appreciate that these figures change over time. Um, so these are correct at the time of recording. We appreciate that they are not. Uh, accurate in the sense of um an actual actual aggregated score it is the amount of three out of five six out of tens sometimes two out of four is a positive or a negative it, <laughs> it depends so it's a very flawed thing but it's a good talking point and it's a good metric to see what the not necessarily the public but the um the critical the zeitgeist thank you the critical zeitgeist was where it was sort of pointing at the time which did in, in the 90s especially it would infer whether you would go to see the cinema or not. Like, what would the papers say? Oh, Radio Times gives it this. Might not bother then. Mm. Wait until it's on TV or video. Or rent it from Blockbuster, that kind of shit. So it, it, it would still give a bit of a gauge here. Uh, we're going to go with four different films. Ooh, interesting. Four. Yep. Um, and they're going to guess the score. I've also got the, uh, the audience score as well, which is interesting. Okay. The films are as well, I'll just read them as as we go. So, ready. Fern Gully. Tim. Sixty three percent. I had sixty three in my head as well, Tim. Mm. Jack. I'll go sixty one, please. That was, <laughs> that was the other number I had in my head. 
It's 62. We're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're fucked, mate. Yeah. Um, let's go back to Tim again. Fern Gully 2, The Magical Rescue. I have a feeling. Oh, no. Don't say it. I simple. got a feeling. I don't think this will have a Rotten Tomato score. Ooh. You think there's not enough people oh. reviewing it, which we've had in the past. We've we had have. two or three of them. We've yeah, had a few. Yeah. And I don't think this will have been widely reviewed enough for it to be... To, to generate to, one. To have generated one. Okay, mm-hmm. so Perfect. you're going to effectively say a not applicable? Yes, an NA. I will write that down. If it did have a score, it would hopefully be very low. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm not going to say anything either way. Jack, what are you thinking? 38, please, Matt. 38. Pulled that number out of my ass. Mm. Don't know what I'm talking about. It might be right all along with <laughs> nothing. But, but both are entirely credible because if you get like maybe three or four, um, you know, contemporary reviews, not to, to, to badmouth our EP, pick this. <laughs> People who like it say, no, I'll write a review. Fuck it. Xenos mm. would definitely give this a six out of 10 or higher. So, yeah, saying it was yeah. good, it was good enough, mm. and it's like okay. <laughs> and people do tend to be more generous with kids' films, mm. which sometimes is yeah. yeah, not right because kids shouldn't <laughs> kids shouldn't just be watching shit. Kids yeah. are usually yeah. more discerning than adults sometimes. Right, the third film is 1995's Pocahontas. <laughs> ah, I see what you're doing here. Yeah, my, I'm doing your thing. Stealing my thing from the outtakes. There's a little tease. Little tease. What's coming? Um, oh. Tim, what are you thinking? I find a way to the colours of the wind. I feel like I—I I mean, Pocahontas was when the Disney Renaissance steam was starting to run out a bit. It was the year after people didn't want to work on *The Lion King* because it was a stupid animal movie. They wanted to work on Pocahontas because that was art. Mm. And to be fair, but Pocahontas is very pretty at times. That—that's that, the thing. Pocahontas looks really good, but it was a step up. It was a—it was a stylistic step away and it's got Mel Gibson singing yeah I'm gonna say 85 okay Jack what are you thinking I was just thinking in a similar ballpark as well and a lot of people who like Pocahontas around my kind of age Mm. I think it's incredibly problematic but I still like it yeah, I've never liked it. And then I think uh, after, the one after that was Hunchback of Notre Dame. I was like, this is no. too fucking long. Too yeah. many fucking songs. Yeah. I'll go lower. I'll go 75. Please. And the last one on the list. Uh-oh. 2009's Nine's Avatar. <laughs> there we go. We got there eventually. We did. Tim, what are you thinking? I think it's going to be really fucking high. I agree. Because I think... Everyone's going to say exactly what uh, uh, because these are these are reviews for the most part. Yes. Of especially for something that modern mm-hmm. um, in the age of the internet and whatnot. In the age of the internet, when 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 stuff was easily accessible, these are mostly going to be reviews of it when it came out in the cinema. From what I read, that is not necessarily true. Okay. There's people going back and looking at it, but yes, yeah. there, there are some retroactive ones. Yeah. When I did the outtakes quiz thing, there mm. were some ones that were from... But even yeah. when people faulting it will still say, but it's a goddamn pretty film. Yeah. Exactly. Because that's, I was fucking one of them. Is, is yeah. it six out of ten enough just with the visuals? That's, kind of that's thing? Yeah. the thing. I think people will... I think the overall, overall critical consensus, especially when it was in the cinema, was 
you should go and see this. It's not necessarily that great, but the experience of seeing it in the cinema is so... See it in know, 3D. See it in the biggest screen yeah, you can, yeah. all the sound and all it, the visuals yeah. and stuff. It's dumb, but it's a technical masterpiece. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. Well, I guess I got to see it then. So I'm going to say 92. You mother... Stop stealing my numbers, Tim. <laughs> Get I'm in your brain. brain. I'm in my brain, man. Jack. 90... Which side do I go? I want to go 91, 93, 91, 93. I'll go 91. Give me two seconds to add these up. Mm. I, well, well, Matt's doing his tabulations. I was slightly, I wondered if, uh, and we haven't really, we haven't mentioned it in the the episode so far. Uh, I think it was around 2011. It was a film called Epic. Oh, I know Epic, yeah. Which was a CG animated film. Which features a uh, a human who gets shrunk down and encounters a fairy kingdom oh. uh, that is um, concerned with the environment. Um, I quite like Epic. I think it's got some really interesting visuals. Mm-hmm. I think it's based on a children's book, which probably predates Fern Gully. Um, um, is it a Joyce? Not not James Joyce, but a a Joyce. I remember him. I can't, oh, I can't, okay. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, is it by Danny Elfman? Yes, it's. Um, I remember at the time a lot it, of people. It's were William going, Joyce. There you go. 1996 children's book, The Leaf Men and the Brave Good Bug. Yeah. Oh, so it was post Fern Gully. It the is. Children's book. Yeah, the, the book was post Fern Gully. Um, uh, same director of Ice Age, Robots, and Meet the Robinsons. Yeah. yeah. Did I get the Chris, year right? Chris Wedge. Uh, 2013. Okay. Mm. Yeah, a couple of years early. Yeah. Um, got Beyonce, Colin it, Farrell, Amanda Seyfried, Josh Hutchison, Christoph Waltz, Aziz Ansari, Chris O'Dowd, Jason Sudeikis, Stephen Tyler, and most importantly, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. Yes. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Is Pitbull the tone loke of this movie? I believe Does he so. Does he play an iguana? <laughs> I'm, he doesn't play an iguana. No. I think he plays a... Aziz Ansari. And He's a toad who works yes. as a race fixer and businessman. Yes. Yeah. As he sounds already, he's a slug. He's a as slug. Chris O'Dowd, I think. Or, yeah, slug. Chris or O'Dowd is yeah. a grub who's a snail. Okay. And Aziz Ansari is Mub, a slug, who is fair, Grub, fair, Grub's fair, best fair, friend. Fair. Yep. Um, and the caretaker of the pods. Yes. Which is, that's what we are. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it got, it got heavily compared to uh to Fern Gully when it came out because Fern Gully has impact. Is it? Yeah. We, we say, like, you know, nobody knows about anything. It made enough of an impact people remember it in order to compare anything that does a similar thing. But also, getting shrunk down to save a village of sprites is going to be like, well, yes, yeah. Fungali. The story of Epic lacks the specialness of a Pixar movie, as it certainly retreads the same eco battle archetypes of Fungali and Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfectly appealing explosion of colour for a lazy summer day. Yeah. I think the difference between Fungali and Avatar is rather than getting smaller, he gets bigger. <laughs> he does. And. $280 million in budget. And fucks a horse. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, Mr. Hat. I now have all the scores ready. <laughs> oh, okay. James Cameron's Mr. Mr. Hands. <laughs> I will tell you this. It's anticlimactic. It's tying it. Oh, no. Not because that one's in the middle. Please tell me that one's not in the middle. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Oh, no. The numbers are interesting. 
So uh, Fern Gully, Jack went with 61, Tim went 63. Tim nailed it on the nose. Oh, 63 wow. exactly. I had that in my... Why did I have that in my brain? Oh. Maybe I maybe I glimpsed it through my fingers as I tried to have look. But the key point is, I don't disagree with that number. That's fine. Ah, that's mm, fine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Audience score, 64. People tend to think of the same thing. Yeah. I'm ready for the audience score of the second one to be much fucking higher. <laughs> People <laughs> like Xenos. No, 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 no. The second one, Jack said 38. Tim said not applicable or not, uh, not valid of Gendry. Uh, Tim was correct again. It hasn't got enough reviews no. to <laughs> score. Okay. So it's, it's two dashes, if anything. Yeah, yeah. But it should be an egg. Um, however, the audience score... Uh-oh. Jack, you're not right and you're not wrong. Okay. You're not right in that it's not higher than the other one. But you're not wrong because it was 34. So your prediction, pretty on the nose. Okay, there. okay. Yeah. I got audience score closer. Yeah. yeah. Pocahontas. Uh, Jack said 75. Tim said 85. Pocahontas pissed off a lot of people. Ah, all the whites. <laughs> 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 the, the Yankees and the whites. It's 55. Whoa! Ooh. Yeah, if you think the year before was Lion King, I'm like, yeah. whoa! People were not forgiving like that said, movie. I don't give a shit about Pocahontas, but that's the... Yeah. I, I, I still... Less like... than 6 out of 10 is a bold fucking review of yeah, Pocahontas, exactly. I feel like. Uh, audience Felt score... too much white guilt, 4 out of 10. Like. <laughs> <laughs> audience score was 64. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be considerably great. higher, because the audience so is... A... Like I said, it's a, a functional film. The it's music, the childhood, good. it's pretty Disney stuff. Mm. Her standing up in the mist and the hair across her face, the animation alone is like this mm. is fucking great. Mm. Mel Gibson. Mm. Mm. Anyway, Avatar. I mean, Mel Gibson playing a white colonialist is <laughs> That's pretty much on the nose. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Not typecasting him, mm-hmm. but you guys were off with Avatar. Oh, Not necessarily wrong in the wrong mindset. You were right without the nature of the praise, but. 100%. 91 Jack, 92 Tim. Mm. 81. Okay. Oh, okay. That's high. That's still high. That's still, that's still high. For the highest yeah. grossing film of all time until recently. Yeah. That's not great. Um, it audience was the highest score. grossing film of all time for like a decade. Exactly, much, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, beating the other one that Cameron had with Titanic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I think is also not very high in the Rotten Tomatoes, probably a 70 or whatever. Um, yes, yeah, so audience score for Avatar is 82. Okay. So yeah, very interesting mm, numbers weird. there. Uh, but it means that again, Pocahontas, Bangali was very higher. There were a lot of films where they had a similar sort of message about, you know, be good to the environment, don't fucking just bulldoze everything in the name of industry and you know, um stuff. And some of the more some of the ones with the budget behind it weren't having the same impact as something with a bit more heart behind it, possibly. Who mm. knows? Um, but I think not only did the audience, but also critics kind of picked up on that and that sort of yeah, went that way. So I'm not necessarily surprised by the sixty percent for Fern Gully. I'm not surprised by the fact that Fern Gully 2 has very little attention and what attention it is given is bad. Um but yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what Tim's done with this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys think. Mm. Like, Tim's like, I'm interested too. I haven't read anything yet. I'm just going to wing it. And we're just going to ad lib it the whole just gonna time. I'm just going to improv a fern gully. Yes, and. Oh, you beat me to it. So, uh, my title, which I'm not besotted with, Gurn Folly. Is. 
uh, is Fern Gully, A Greener World. And I'll post that. Sounds fun by me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it is coming out in 1996. Okay, so a couple of years a earlier. A couple of years than, earlier. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It will still be straight to VHS. Okay. Unfortunate, but okay, I get it. Yeah. I, I, unfortunate because I think, oh, it'll have a little less in terms of visual stuff mm-hmm. and things and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, that was the done thing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's the thing of like, realistically, that's that's when it's going to come out. If we haven't already referenced Avatar a bunch of times, I was half wondering, if my release year, 2009. <laughs> Director, James, James Cameron. Cameron. <laughs> yeah. Budget. Three hundred million dollars <laughs> straight to DVD and VHS, my ass. Yeah. Um. I mean, so F F A I Films, which was the the company that was kind of behind Fern Gully, basically goes bankrupt just after Fern Gully: A Magical Rescue yep. comes out. Yeah. It's bought bought by like an insurance firm, and then that insurance firm gets acquired by Fox, and now technically Fern Gully is owned by Disney. <laughs> Um, oh. oh god, it is a Disney film now. Oh, yeah, god. Disney own Avatar. Um, <gasps> the crossover we've always wanted. Yeah, so I wanted to do it a bit earlier, a to more try and capture a little bit of the positive reception that it had. Yeah. Um, obviously, it gives them less. I don't think they were working on much in between, so I don't know when they started work on a sequel. Um, mm. I'd imagine. Probably that they had a mod- moderate success with Fern Gully. Look, tried to get other projects off the ground. They didn't work, and they then ended up doing a Fern Gully sequel straight to VHS. Sure. So in my world, they'd probably just come out of the back of Fern Gully and go straight to let's do a sequel. We'll go straight to VHS, but we're going to start working on it now because we want it to be better rather than oh shit, we're running out of time and money. Let's shit this out to try and make some money back. Oh no, we're <laughs> bankrupt anyway. Anyway. So yes, 1996, straight to VHS. Director, I've gone for George Scribner. Oh. Uh, who directed uh, the Disney film Oliver and Company. Uh, he also directed... Some banging songs on that. Some banging Billy Joel. Bit of Billy Joel. Uh, he also directed uh, the Disney version of The Prince and the Pauper, which... I remember there being around a lot when I was a kid. It was yeah, like a Mickey, a Mickey Mouse version yes, of Prince yes, and the Pauper. Right. Yes. Uh, it was yeah. a straight to VHS, but, you know, that was... Um, he, I've seen that. He's continued working with Disney, although he's mainly working in their, like, Imagineering department right. now and does, like... What a weird department that is. Yeah, mm. does, like, the films that get shown in the theme parks and stuff like that. But I figured at this point he had kind of separated off from the company and so mm. i'm gonna swoop in and, and pick him up nice that. nice getting so hopefully getting some disney magic getting a little bit out yeah getting mm-hmm. actual disney money yep returning cast as krista thank god christ samantha, <laughs> samantha mathis oh yeah, yeah she turns the other one don't give me that i mean yeah. obviously mathis yes but yeah yeah Let's see how much tim uses her yeah uh as zach Jonathan oh. Ward. Oh, sure, Zach's sure. back. That, that, I don't think they're too big asks. Mm-hmm. Uh, suggestion for name. Phone Gully 2, Zach's back. Zach's back. Phone Gully 2, Zach Attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phone Gully veto... 2, Revenge of the Zach. Yeah, I veto all of these. Mm-hmm. Return of the Zach. Return of the Zach. Yeah. yeah. Return of the Zach. Yeah, exactly. Vetoed. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. 
Deal breaker. Okay. <laughs> each uh, to their own, Matthew. Each to their own. Nope. As uh, Maggie Loon, Grace Zabrinsky. But Tim! She did! She did indeed. <laughs> but I, they was, also... I was so worried you're going to, Tim, she did. And he goes, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Hold I mean, on a admittedly, sec. She's Sigourney, my main character. Sigourney Weaver's coming back in uh, Avatar 2 yeah. somehow. Yeah. So who the fuck knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, as Stump, Cheech Marin, yep. of course, one yeah. of one of the Beetle Boys, yep. and as Root, another of the Beetle Boys, Tommy Chong, Cheech yep. and Chong, yep. yeah, there was. I believe it was their first time doing an animated movie, and they mm. were like, "It was great. We went into the studio. We were done. We did. We it was a day, and then we were done, and then we got to hang out and go to a bar afterwards." Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, and they'll then, come back. <laughs> then Cheech Marin was in fucking Lion King. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yes. So I brought back. The people who I thought you could get on a VHS budget. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Okay. Much like you're smoking aces straight to DVD. Yeah. Like yeah. 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 I get it. That's a good call. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, I... Is this Love Actually in the Rainforest, Tim? You have to tell me now. <laughs> it's not Love oh, Actually. I am okay. not a cop. This okay. is not Love Actually. I was going to say, you have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> is this Entrapment or Africa? <laughs> uh, Newcast. As Batty Coda. Oh. Dan Castellaneta. Uh, Dan Castellaneta. Okay, Homer yeah. fucking Simpson. Homer doing fucking a, Simpson. Doing it a Jafar. Exactly. Jafar's Revenge yes. thing. Obviously, right, yeah, we, yeah. Return of the Jafar, one of our the first sequelizers, yeah. pre me even being here. Mm. Um, a big piece of shit that film is. Uh, but yes. <laughs> Damn right. Um, but I think Dan Castellaneta does an acceptable Robin Williams. He does decent enough, yeah. He was, he was genie in Return of Jafar. He was genie in the Aladdin TV series. He as did the well. video game voiceover as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, around this time, obviously, he's in The Simpsons. Obviously, Homer Simpson. Yeah. 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 Uh, we, also we didn't in... get this too much, but the, there was a huge, huge spat between Disney and really directly Robin Williams because he was like, mm. I don't want you to market this film around me. Yeah. And they said, mm, We don't want you singing this other movie. He said, I think the, I think the official they, one is like, they tried, to, the they tried to sabotage to, yeah. Um, yeah. the production of Fern Gully, which we didn't touch on, literally to the point mm. of um, they would book out the voice recording studios yeah. that Fern Gully was trying to use. Fern Gully then bought an ex brewery to like turn into a studio, and then um, Disney tried to acquire it. Mm-hmm. It was all, it was Jeffrey Katzenberg basically being a real shit. Yeah. Um, and then moving to DreamWorks and doing the same thing there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Fucking hell, man. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so, of course, it was never Robin Williams. No. He's already in contention with everybody. So, yeah. Yes. Exactly. And he's far too big to do this smaller film. Yeah. 96 as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Dan Castellaneta also doing Tasmania and Earthworm Jim around this time. Oh, Earthworm Jim. Goes on mm-hmm. to be in Hey Arnold and Futurama and you know various other, but mostly the Simpsons. He's, he's Homer, Homer, Simpsons. He's Homer fucking Simpson. Yeah, yeah, and a bunch of other characters. As yeah, well. yeah. Uh, as and Pit- in Spinal Tap, which melted my brain when I was. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Harry Shearer. That's a joke. Mm. Uh, as Pips, uh, I've got Diggory Oaks, who is Pips in Fern Gully too. Oh, he sounds all right. I thought he did a fine job. Yeah. It like it's a shit. Christian Slater doesn't exactly set the rainforest on fire in the first one. No. So, to be honest, it cares, could be like, anyone yeah. doing a passable Christian Slater yeah, impression. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, yeah. And Christian Slater ex- is kind of just doing a passable Jack Nicholson impression with his own voice. Uh, so. Yes, his entire career. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> it's it's quite easy to get someone to sound kind of like him. This is yeah. a cadence and a flow. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's there. I love if you just got 
Jack Nicholson instead. <laughs> it's going straight to VHS. This is Jack Nicholson. I remember when uh, it was Christian Slater doing a stage production in London yes. of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. Oh, and I remember when he was doing press, he was like, well, actually, if you go back to the book, so much of Jack Nicholson, like, because someone was like, oh, how do you follow a Jack Nicholson performance? Mm. And he's been fucking doing it his whole career. Um, <laughs> but he was like, oh, well, if you go back to the books, like, so much of Jack Nicholson's like the, the the ticks that he has in acting come from the character in the book. It's like, no, no. you can't mm. you can't claim that He's Jack Nicholson is is being an imitator to, when you've spent your whole life imitating. Yeah. To go back to a quote from our Two Jakes episode to flashback all the way back there. It's Jack being Jack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, so yeah, basically, Oaks is fine. Oaks is fine. Also, his name yeah. is Oaks for fuck's sake. Yeah. Tree Boy. Destined. Uh, as Malcolm Bessler. Ed Begley Jr. Ah, uh, it's mm. a, yeah. Page Master motherfucker. Yeah. Yep, just done Page Master. Yeah. Uh, probably best known. Well, he, d- he does a lot of like TV movies, but he started out in Saint. Well, not started out. He's probably best known from Saint Elsewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the kind of 80s yeah. period. It was in This Is Spinal Tap. Funnily enough, earlier, yeah, yeah. Uh, goes on to be in a Mighty Wind. Shows up in Arrested Development. He's in he the. He does show up in Arrested Development. Mm. Holy shit! And Sitwell. Yeah. Uh, he's in the 2016 Ghostbusters. He's in a bunch of yeah. shit. Like he's around. I think he's a, a complete direction here, but um, there's an 80s film called Amazon Women on the Moon. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is only worth watching for the scenes where Ed Bigley Jr. plays the in- an Invisible Man. Yes, he's the who, son of the Invisible Man. Yeah. Yes. Who's not invisible? It's like, ooh, I must be so strange seeing a shirt on its own. It's just him. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's yeah, it's a funny little scene. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Yes. Um, he's a noted environmental <laughs> advocate. Yeah. So I figured yeah. he would be on board. You've gone up in my estimations, Mr. Begley Jr. He's also yeah. the kind of individual who'd probably take a pay cut to do this as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, as Pebble, I have Pamela Adlin. Oh, oh. I like Pamela Adlin. Yeah, um, she was actually in Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. I believe she's like fairy number what? two. Right, right, yeah. Um, Shit. She'd have been pretty young and in like unknown at that point, yeah. I guess. Well, yeah, she was in she, Greece too. Her, uh, yeah. her first, yeah, her first role was in Greece too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is in sitcom The Facts of Life. Goes on to have quite an extensive career as a uh, as a voice artist. She's yeah. Spinelli in Recess. Yeah, yeah. fucking uh, love she's Recess. She's also Bobby Hill in King of the Hill. Yeah. Yes. Um, and she's now doing a kind of sitcom dramedy type thing called Better Things, which mm, is live yeah. action, um, which has got quite a lot of acclaim. I I remember making weird connections where I was like, obviously piece of shit, Louis C.K. Yes. Um, she she was a really good role in Louis. Yeah. His on again, off again, yeah. friend, girlfriend character. Yeah. And she's, she's in great. Bumblebee. And yep. she's great. And everyone's mm. like, wait, that's Spinelli? That's, yeah. That's like, exactly. Wait, that's fucking that's Bobby Hill. Bobby yeah. Hill? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know you. <laughs> that's my purse. That's my <laughs> purse. <laughs> oh, just, yeah. She's, she's fucking great. So, yeah. good choice. Um, And finally, as Rupert Hogg, we mentioned him earlier. Maurice LaMarche. Hey, <laughs> the brain from Binky yeah. and the Brain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, was Egon Spengler in the real Ghostbusters, uh, showed up in Captain Planet. Ah. Yeah. Times he was, yeah. I believe, uh, Verminous Slum, Sludge, and Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem? Or something like that. Brilliant. Yeah, something Shake it, baby. <laughs> um, uh, 
was Pinky in anime. In, he's, the, the, he's the brain. He's, he's the brain. Yep. I apologize. Uh, in Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain. Very deep voice. He does Orson Welles' voice in Edward. He does. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Goes on to do. He's in Futurama. More he's recently, great, he's, he's great. in uh, Frozen and Zootopia. He's a legendary voice. A actor. legendary, legendary voice. voice actor. Yep. Yeah, getting on a bit now. Oh yeah, he's in his seventies yeah, now. It's worrying. Yeah. Things, it's weird. Like, oh. I, funny enough, I saw him and Rob Paulson whenever they show up at conventions together. Yes, they obviously reunite Pinky in the Brain. Of course they did, and just do little bits for mm. you know all the millennials are like, oh my god, Narf. and yeah, they're mm. like. Old dudes now, but yeah. still can yeah. still do the voice. Well, it's like right. Frank Welker and Peter Cullen. Everyone's like, "Oh shit, it's Ultimus Prime and Megatron." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do the thing. Hi. <laughs> <Aye>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then finally, I have returning. He did some of the songs for the original. Mm. Thomas Dolby doing oh, some of the music. God, I thought he was saying I mean, John for a second there. No, <laughs> fucking hell. I he did one song for the original. The credits song. Yes. Fuck yeah. off. I don't uh I don't dislike Thomas Dolby as a choice. I think also for Strip for DVD sorry, video, that makes sense. But yeah, yeah, he was he was doing some other soundtrack stuff around this time. He did he liked he liked being on the like cutting edge of stuff. So he was doing like interactive films and like yeah. um virtual reality experiences around this time. But I reckon we could get him back for this. Yeah. So so, th- so that's that's my cast. It seems nice. good and very solid. And again, I, I I when you explain the theme behind it, people are like, Oh, that's really bad. Robin Williams is coming back. It's like, yeah, because as we always say with sequelizers, this isn't just a we got but this 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 this. It's like it's not even if it's like we got fucking. It's <laughs> coming out in twenty thirteen, and Chris Nolan's directing yeah. it, and like it's got every actor under the sun. Like yeah, okay. You have to keep things within in the realm of credulity. Yes, it's it's as much as we're flying in the face of reality, we it's slightly tethered to the ground. Yeah. Exactly, it has to be plausible to a degree, mm. and I think the fact that you have to go, this is, and it also it, as a point of concession, but it's like, but you can still tell a good story just because it's yes. straight to DVD or, or VHS doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Case in point, what I was saying about that's the part of the problem with Fern Gully too. It doesn't have to be lazy and shit. Mm. They just don't try because they don't have to. Yeah. Why would you bother writing something that's going to be like complicated or interesting or ever involved? Because at the end of the day, you're going to pay the same amount of money. So fuck it. Yeah. Assholes. So. Let's begin. Let's do it. At a waterfall in Fern Gully, Krista, Pips, and the Beetle Boys frolic and play, along with Pebble, a shy rock hole frog who is acting as Krista's new apprentice. Aww. The assembled fairies of Fern Gully sing Our Beautiful World, a song. <laughs> a good song. A song. There we go, thank you. Uh, as they enjoy the wonders of nature and celebrate their home. As the song ends, the Beetle Boys and Pebble, who have separated from the main group, find a dying flower. The Beetle Boys encourage Pebble to use her magic to rejuvenate it, but Pebble is unable to, and the Beetle Boys mock her before flying off. Fucking Beetle Boys, mate. Bunch of dickheads. Dickhead gang. Yep. Pebble returns to the waterfall, which is now much quieter, and shares her failure with Krista, who offers advice and support to her new student. Pebble tries again on a nearby plant, and is able to make it surge with life. Encouraged, she and Krista return to the dying flower, but once again, Pebble's magic does nothing. Curious, Krista tries and also fails. Investigating the area, they find more and more plants that are showing signs of damage and disease. Mm. There's slime above them and slime beneath <laughs> them, Tim. Maybe there is. 
Pebble asks if this means that humans are back, but Krista reassures her that they have kept careful watch for any sign of human activity, and if humans did return, she would ask Zack for help in making them leave. Fucking naive fucking idiot. King of the humans, Zack. <laughs> can he control the clowns? That's the real question. <laughs> Concerned you, the- you can. <laughs> <laughs> clowns. My, my god, clowns. <laughs> Concerned about what the damaged plants could mean, Krista departs, saying she needs to find out more. Pebble also leaves and neither notice the diseased plants twitch and start to pull themselves out of the jungle soil. Mm. Fucking zombies! Oh. Krista arrives at a crystalline cavern below Fern Gully, known as the Cave of Echoes. Good name, Tim. In the various crystal reflections, she is able to summon the spirit of Maggie Loon. Doing a fucking seance. Wow. <laughs> uh, Star Wars, isn't it? More of, a, yeah. more of a force ghost, yeah. yeah. Ah. She asks Maggie's spirit about what the withered plants could mean and confides that she's not sure she's ready to teach others about the magic of Fern Gully when there's still so much she doesn't understand. Maggie tells her that she just has to trust her connection to Fern Gully and she will find her own way to understand the magical forces that sustain it. What I told you was true from a certain point of view. (laughs) Fuck you, Maggie. Krista pushes for answers on the dying plants. And as she departs, the spirit of Maggie tells her that the answers lie deeper in the cave of echoes. She fights Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Cuts off Zack's head and he rips his <laughs> And it's her all along. Wait. Her body with... Sorry, her face with Zack's body? Oh yeah, the, oh, be- the, the best of both That's worlds, the man. perfect partner. That's... Is that or not Inosuke and fucking Demon Slayer? Anyway, yes, another it point. is. Yeah, yes, yeah. It Go is. ahead. <laughs> Back on the surface, Pebble visits Batty Coda, who is just waking up. He complains that his antenna have been giving him weird dreams, but snaps into focus when Pebble mentions that Krista might be visiting Zack for answers about the dying plants. Worried about Krista, he takes flight and heads for the Cave of Echoes. Meanwhile, in the cave, Krista delves deeper and sees strange reflections of herself. Are you doing Star Wars, Tim? <laughs> She's Ray. She's doing the whole, like, <laughs> finger snap. I don't mind. It's good. It's a good scene and see strange reflections of herself in the crystals, as well as versions of Pips and the other fairies of Fern Gully looking angry and scared. Ray, 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 Ray. Ray! 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 Batty enters the cave and frantically flies around trying to find Krista, with echolocation, no doubt, in the Cave of Echoes. Oh. I don't know, maybe he doesn't. <laughs> as he spots her, she notices Zack in one of the reflections and reaches out to touch it. Mm. Batty races towards her, but as she makes contact with the crystal, she disappears in a shower of sparkles, and Batty slams into the wall, lodging a shard of crystal in his antenna. Mm. That was pee hole, right? (laughs) (laughs) As he recovers, he sees a vision of Krista tumbling amongst human skyscrapers in the crystal, but it quickly fades. Panicking, he flies out of the cave and finds Pebble, telling her that Krista is in danger and they need to rescue her. A magical rescue, perhaps. (gasps) Pebble is hesitant, unsure if she's up to the task, but at Batty's insistence, the pair head off through the jungle. Krista appears above a human city that is visibly identifiable as Sydney, with the Harbour Bridge and Opera House, but everyone will be speaking with American accents. (laughs) (laughs) Tim has actually written that in the pitch, ladies and gentlemen. Good day, mate. What? (laughs) Shocked by the transportation, she initially tumbles through the air, plummeting past tall buildings, until she regains her composure and hovers down towards a gathering of people. 
Outside a large skyscraper, Zack is leading a protest against Hogcorp, a chemical company that has been polluting nearby beaches. Mm. Well done, Zack. Doing something. Yeah. But also, not enough, Zack. You should be sacrificing yourself. <laughs> as Zack leads the group in a chant, I assume it sort of turns into a musical number as they chant as well. <laughs> the company's CEO, Rupert Hogg. Amazing name. I did mention it earlier. Amazing name yeah. for a bad guy. Yeah. Emerges from the offices and attempts to calm the crowd, telling them and nearby reporters that the accusations of pollution are all false and that Hog Corp is a good corporate citizen. <sighs> They're all good billionaires and terrible yeah. people. Zack is about to respond when Krista makes herself known, hovering in front of his face. Shocked, he fumbles his response and Hogg mocks him, saying these hippies cannot back up their claims. Zack grabs Krista and departs as Hogg continues talking to the reporters, trying to steer the conversation to Hogcorp's new innovations. Away from the crowds, Zack asks Krista what she's doing so far from Fern Gully. Oh, racist. <laughs> what are you doing over here? She tells him about the plants dying in Fern Gully and that the Cave of Echoes brought her here, but that she's not sure what she's meant to be doing. Hiding in Zack's shirt pocket, she observes the city as he walks through it, asking him how he can live in such a strange place so far from nature. Eventually, the two arrive at Zack's apartment, which is filled with houseplants and terrariums, and Christopher feels much more comfortable. Zack explains that he now works for a company called Worldcare that is making environmentally friendly products and that his boss, Malcolm Bessler, is helping to create more green spaces in the city. Krista says she is glad that he has taken his time in Ferngully to heart, but that something in the city is clearly wrong, or she wouldn't have been brought here. Back on the edge of Ferngully, Batty and Pebble emerge from the fringes of the forest to a wide desert. Batty lands on a lone tree and complains about his tired wings as Pebble climbs to the top of the tree and spots a small farm in the distance. The pair fly over towards it and see a farmer departing in a truck, which Batty swoops down to, landing in the back. Pebble asks how they know they're heading towards Krista, but Batty confidently tells her he is an expert navigator. As the pair get comfy in the back of the truck, I assume it's a clown car. Well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> clown truck. Yeah. yeah, clown farmer. Yeah, clown farmer. You know, where the... Wait, wait, he's a farmer who's a clown, or is he farming clowns? Yes. Both of those, yes. yes. <laughs> Where do you think clowns come from? I don't think about it. Clowns don't grow on trees, Matthew. <laughs> they come from bushes. Exactly. Harvested in fields. <laughs> you just see their noses emerging from you, the ground. You and you... the nose. Yes. I've seen the fields, Neo. <coughs> clowns aren't born. <coughs> They're grown. <laughs> you squeak it until you get the right pitch, and that's when you know it's right. Yeah. <laughs> All to turn a human into this. <laughs> <laughs> A squirt of water comes out of a flower next to it. All the, all the flowers squirt water. It's really weird. My name is Bozo. <laughs> Mr. Andrew. A terrifying do clown do plant. Dodge man. this and it's just a custard pie. <laughs> what do you need? Clowns. Lots of clowns. <laughs> and then a small car comes out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it's just squirty flowers in his jacket. Jesus Christ. Spy break, but it's being played on a Hammond organ. Yes. Nonsense. As the pair get... Comfy in the back of the truck. Ooh. 
Batty's antenna touches a loose wire. Oh my god. And he sees visions of a vast network of roots and vines, rotten in parts, but blooming with flowers in other areas. He sees flashes of Krista, Zack, Pips, and Pebble, as well as clips of Hexus from the previous film, before collapsing in a gibbering heap. Pebble rushes over to care for him as the truck rumbles on across the landscape. Back in the heart of Fern Gully, Pips and the Beetle Boys are looking for Krista when they come across one of the diseased plants, which has transformed into a rotten monstrosity. Ooh, zombie. Does it make zombie noises? Probably, yeah. Good. Right. The plant creature attacks them, grabbing at Pips and his non-existent nipples and attempting... Grabbing Pips nibs. <laughs> Pips nibs? <laughs> no, it's a fucking thing. Grabbing at Pips and attempting to constrict him with its rotting vines. But the Beetle Boys manage to pull him free and then get the plant to chase them into a position where they can drop a heavy rock on it. It's like Ice Age. As they're puzzling over where the creature came from, more of the monsters emerge from the forest and they decide to flee back towards the fairy village of fucking cowards. Back in the city, Krista wakes up early in the morning and begins to sing A Home for You and Me, using magic to make the plants in Zack's apartment grow larger until the room starts to resemble an indoor rainforest. Zack emerges from his bedroom and is delighted by the transformation, but then realises he is late for work. Fucking hippie. I was convinced Tim was there. Realises he's not wearing any clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Horny Tim strikes again. Krista, not fully understanding what a job is, asks to come with him, and when he worries about her being discovered, she uses her magic to grow to human size. A shocked Zack provides her with some new clothes, and the pair head to his job. Oh my... <laughs> it does the hook thing with Tinkerbell. Julia Roberts is like, pa-pow! It's like, Tink, you, you ruined your house. <laughs> At Worldcare, Zach helps Krista to mingle among the employees who are listening to a speech from Malcolm Bessler about the importance of preserving the environment. After the speech, Bessler thanks Zach for his hard work, even though he's late because he's a fucking hippie. <laughs> and Zach introduces Krista as a new intern. Ah, shagger the intern, Zach. Classy. <laughs> The pair head to the factory floor, but while Zack is distracted with work, Krista decides to explore, shrinking back down and flying through the factory and office buildings. Stumbling across Bessler's office, she discovers him taking a meeting with Rupert Hogg. <gasps> Fucking piece of shit. These corporate bastards. The two CEOs discuss how Hogcorp will invest in Worldcare in return for Worldcare rehabilitating Hogcorp's image. Mm. Hmm. Hog asks Bessler if he cares about all the pollution the Hogcorp has dumped, but Bessler says that as long as they're avoiding polluting areas where people live, it shouldn't be a problem. Uh, shocked, Krista flies back to find Zack and tells him what she's heard. Initially, he doesn't believe her, saying that Bessler has done so much to help the city be a greener place, but at Krista's insistence, he sneaks through the offices and catches a glimpse of Hog leaving. He breaks into Bessler's office and grabs some of the paperwork before he and Chris depart. Back in Fern Gully, Pips and the Beetle Boys have rallied the rest of the fairies and are doing their best to hold back the wave of plant monsters that are making their way through the forest. Pips attempts to goad the monsters into following him away from the fairy village, but one of the larger ones captures him and entangles him within its body before resuming its rampage. Batty is awoken by Pebble as the truck they are riding in drives into the centre of the city. Batty struggles to his feet as Pebble explains she can use her magic to find Krista now they're close enough. She summons a little glowing ball that will lead them to Krista as Batty picks her up and flies them into the air. Actually makes sense that he can carry her as well. Yeah. She's not a fucking human. The journey slowed by Batty's continued interference from his antenna. 
I picked I picked a species of frog that is particularly small. Yeah, yeah. That's more thought that they put into it, Tim. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. At Zach's apartment, he discovers plans for Hog Corp's latest chemical pump site and decides is to Is that what we're calling it. it these days, kids? Chemical pump site? Butthole. <laughs> I was a trash can full of tissues, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's a butthole. Krista, stay away from the chemical pump site. Bad for fair. Oh, your human sites are fine. Carry on. Yeah. As Krista is wondering if this is connected to what is happening in Bengali, or if the cave brought her here by accident, Batty and Pebble arrive, swooping through the window as Batty yells, It's all connected! <laughs> Ranting and raving, he tells Krista that his antenna has shown him the truth, and that Ferngully is tied to the health of the whole planet. That Final Fantasy VII shit right there. True, but also that's how rainforests work. Yeah. Um, pollution <laughs> anywhere. Touche, Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pollution anywhere hurts Ferngully, and his, this latest spike is what caused the plants to die. The group decide to sabotage the Hog Corp pump, travelling under the cover of darkness as Batty does a terrible 90s rap. Yeah. Uh, arriving at the pump, Zack sneaks in and starts shutting down the machines, while Krista uses her magic to cause plants to grow around the site, pulling down fences and blocking doors. Breaking in here and pressing mm. a button. Ha 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 ha. Thank you, Batty. <laughs> <laughs> Pebble attempts to help, but is unable to get her magic to work. As Zack is overloading machines, he is confronted by Hog and Bessler, who chase him out of the facility. Back in Fern Gully, the plant creatures continue to advance on the fairies, who have been forced back against a tree and struggle to hold them at bay. As Hog and Bessler continue to chase him, Zack manages to escape from the facility and reunites with the others. Seeing the two men closing in on him, Krista attempts to help, but is swatted by an angry Bessler. <laughs> Fucking just murderer <laughs> against a wall. Yeah. Just a little sp- <laughs> Pebble erupts in anger and magic surges through her, causing huge plants to swell up and destroy the plant. Back in Fern Gully, the plant monsters dry up and collapse, and the Beetle Boys help Pips free himself from the husk that he's been trapped in. Back in Zack's apartment, Krista tells Pebble that she's proud of her progress and that she will make a wonderful guardian of Fern Gully. Zack prepares to help the others travel back to Fern Gully telling Krista that he'll continue doing everything he can to help save the environment and will be less trusting of companies that only claim to be doing good. There's the message, Tim. Mm-hmm. He'll be looking for proof. Pebble helps Batty remove the crystal shard from his head and he makes a joke about we return to our regularly scheduled program as everyone laughs. Mm-hmm. There we go. I like it, Tim. It's obviously significantly better. <laughs> the message is strong in this one. It's clear. It's the classic take forth what's already been there. You can't, it's not good enough just to say, I won't work for these companies. Like, you have to help not support these things, shut them down. Even if they say they're helping, you have to show me action and resolve. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's a simple thing for kids to understand. Just because they say they're doing the right thing doesn't mean they are doing the right thing. Very simple message. Brilliant. Not a lot to really criticize, if I'm honest. I think it works rather well. I think ultimately my major question is why a frog? <laughs> why not just another little pixie girl? Uh, I wanted there to be like some uh, babies, some baby. Yeah, basically, yeah. I wanted there to More be like some kind of boys. like cute animals or something. But also, I was like, it doesn't make sense that it's like they're meant to be very small. Um, the fairies, like, sure. why are they hanging out with like kangaroos that could? 
that would eat just them. eat them. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I wanted something that was a lot smaller. Um, no, it makes sense. It makes uh, sense. And um, so I picked it's a, a, a rock hop frog, which can actually, um, she's called Pebble because they can r- basically run across water. Oh, wow. Um, oh, those ones. Like cool. they, they, yeah. Um, so I was like, ah, oh, she skims like a pebble. Um, Very cool. I feel we should put that in there somewhere. I don't know exactly where it would yeah, fit, yeah, but I feel I was, like that would be nice to put it I, in there. I thought it would probably show up maybe near at the at the beginning where they're all just like hanging around. And oh, and during the song and, and the opening. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah. But might also like find somewhere somewhere else for it to be useful. Sure, um, sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I just I, I I thought it was, you know, you have there's uh, there's other animals in in the in the first one like there's the goanna that oh, seems no, no, about wanting yeah. to eat yeah. him and and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, let's let's have some more animal. No, I think things. again, it's it's just a case of like, yeah, no, I'm curious why you made that choice mm. because I know the natural logical conclusion is to say, oh, but no, a thing we've done ourselves, and let's face it, it's quite a lazy option to say it's her daughter. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's just an, a, another. Yeah. you know, uh, component to this group mm-hmm. of protectors and things. That makes a lot of sense. And I, and I liked the idea that, like, all of the animals of Fern Gully could access, or, or at least... The so the poten- magic's been the, distributed. The, yeah, the potential for magic isn't just within the fairies, it's also within the, the animals that live there and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. I like that you brought Zach back in an interesting way, that he doesn't shrink I back agree. and go to Fern Gully. I especially appreciated you change the setting as well. Mm. I think that gives I know we're still working on a straight to VHS kind of budget here, but like taking the setting away from Fern Gully and not in a back of a clown car kind of way. <laughs> I think it makes a like a stark contrast of here is Sydney, one of the most populated mm. cities in the world, compared mm, to mm. Fern Gully mm. would give you some really interesting like visual parallels and mm. stuff that would work really well. It's a lot more fish out of water for, for Krista exactly. than, than just like, oh it's a carnival in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yeah sure exactly exactly um was hoping for an awkward sex scene not gonna lie. <laughs> we go to zach's we... apartment and she gets changed and i'm like uh-oh <laughs> Paulie tim i mean he said she goes full size and zach gives her new clothes as she shreds her own ones it's like oh well she hulk out and just <laughs> explode out of her clothes uh, i think they all knew that was gonna happen yeah um yeah. i have a comment it's not really like a negative mm. attack it's just a bit of it doesn't even really need a clarification it's just a point i i i like the idea that fern gully is uh you know assaulted by these these plant monsters things that's cool i think again it's the trappings of a family film the nature of the very simple well if you just take out this one power plant then obviously they'll all mm. just you know take out the head vampire they all just wither and die again that's that's the nature of these kind of films i personally would like maybe something of the bit more nuanced not saying you didn't do a good thing i think you Mm. fit the bill for a fucking straight to video story but also i think for a child watching it's like oh okay so if i do something where i'm littering i could be hurting fern gully that again simple message stuff um i don't think there's necessarily a problem with that i just wanted to highlight like "Ah, there should be something a bit more there i don't necessarily know a what that could be and more importantly b if it's even that fucking necessary for the remit of what we're doing here Mm. Yeah, I originally didn't really kind of have that supernatural like threat element. Yeah. Um, and it was more just that the that Fern Gully was being damaged by the pollution. Mm. Um, but then I realized it, it, it a it kind of we kind of needed some more of the the mild peril, um, and more for like I I wanted to inc- keep Pips and 
the Beetle Boys oh, and, yeah, the, yeah. and the other fairies of Ferngully and have an element that we could cut back to. And like you say, to show like, oh, like Ferngully is at risk from this and it's not just like, oh, it's, you know, there's some plants that are a bit dying. It's like, oh no, you need to yeah. kind of, you need to... It needs threat. It needs, to, it needs threat rather than just hazard. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I agree with you. If, if you. if the pitch had been pre- just that it was like, oh, the flowers are dying, that's sad. I'd be like, yeah, I mean, no one's gonna give a shit. It's like, no, they are coming to life and going to get them. It's like, well, okay, I can prevent this. I can, mm. and that, that's a good representation. So yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, like the two things that I wanted to kind of hit upon when I was like, first... Apparently fairies, Tim. Jesus. Yeah. Backhand. Smack them around. Um, yeah, the two things that I wanted to kind of touch on were the idea of like... A life-size crystal. Right? Was a, yes. But no, no, Dak's body, but with Krista's head. Sorry, sorry, yes. The idea that, like, essentially nature is all connected and you can't, because the, the, the first film is very much just like, we've got to protect Fern Gully. Mm-hmm. Like, Fern Gully's important. Like, stop the pollution here. Yeah. But I wanted to basically say, like, hey, you can be doing a thing over here and, and it will impact something thousands of miles away because that's the way the natural world works. Um, and the other thing was to basically put the, blame much more squarely on humans yes um yes. and less on supernatural things and and have have that kind of and a little bit it's kind of preemptive because we talked about how you know now there's mm. a lot of companies that are like oh we're going to be carbon neutral by 20 you know 35 yeah. and all this kind of stuff and it's like yes that's great if you promise that and it's but it also there is that element of is it greenwashing the kind of the term of like yeah. you know we, they companies are now aware they have to appear to be environmentally friendly. Yeah. The question is how many are living up to that uh that promise. Um yeah. and so it's kind of a little bit of preemptive counter programming for the youth of nineteen ninety six. Well to basically say like look out for companies that uh, claim they're doing the right thing but actually aren't. Yeah. And I think that's that Fern Gully was I wouldn't say necessarily ahead of its time, it was doing what everyone else was doing. Mm. But it does it in a nice way that you know don't cut down trees. Yeah. I think that you could get away with that things. It doesn't sound like people saying, well, you're injecting a lot of retroactive I know from the future. It's like, no, because the people who are making this stuff mm. were very switched on to the issues at Yeah. You know, they, they, and it's, they it's were doing activists. It's not the most absurd thing in the world no, to say no, <laughs> to, no. to be like, hey, a company might say one thing and do another. What? <laughs> yeah. It's it's the uh it's all about money. Yeah. 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 So to touch on the ending a little bit, I feel like we kind of like tackle them the main like pump station mm. thing, how we want to describe it. But like what happens to I guess Hog and Bethler after that and mm. their dynamic and their relationship. I'd almost like to see Zach tackle that, you know, I don't know, in a kind of like I don't know, it's really like a, like a court thing or like a, he's trying to like I suppose expose them, them as like yeah. colluding like, on each other. Because it kind of like, yeah. it all explodes and Pebbles unleashes her power mm. and then everything's fine and we all go home kind of thing. There's, there feels like the, the villains never actually get their comeuppance apart from losing a building and if they're big corporations, they'll just yeah, re- they, rebuild they... the pump station and start from scratch all over again. Which I guess is another message of you can never hurt the big corporations, <laughs> really. The machine like, always turns. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, I was going to say, the 90s mindset would probably be a very simple one line of dialogue. It would even be funneled into the whole when he's in the office. It's like, my God, they're funneling their entire fortune into this. It's not yeah, just that it's yeah. one building. It's like, this is, and mm. so it's like, it's the classic, both of them fall to their knees. We may, look, we may look like a billion dollar company, but 
Yeah. If this doesn't work, I'm going to go broke. Yeah. It's the, both of them crying in each other's arms going, mm. oh, God, we're in ruins. It's that nonsense. Yeah. Like, oh, you, you have insurance. You're fine. Either that or you do a spinning newspaper kind of thing at the end and, you know, so and like, you know, exposed sure. as, you know, yeah. sort of. And, and yeah. Yeah. Have him with the documents that he's stolen and stuff kind of that exposed. Was, that was my as, thinking. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, you're right. There's, there's kind of room for a. More of a coda. Literally, like end. two, three extra minutes at the end there yeah. to like mm-hmm. have that bit of a wrap up with. Yeah. I think showing the progress that Zach has made as well is obviously we see that in his apartment and seeing him being the being sort of setting the example for the kids and all that sort of mm. stuff and being, being the change he wants mm. to see in the world and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think literally that little extra bit would help kind of wrap things up and mm-hmm. get the villains, get their comeuppance and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Apart from that, much, much better than the original, despite yeah. what Xenos yeah. might say. <laughs> um, uh, hopefully, you enjoyed it too. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. you guys all listening enjoyed it. And if you did, or if you didn't, let us know. Come and join our Discord. There's links for it on our website, which is sequelizers.com. Here's also the pinned tweet at the top of our Twitter that contains all of our links there. We also have a link tree now because John Scarrett suggested it and good show. We, we follow his lead because he's a very clever man with good, good artistic skills. If you go to our Twitter, you can see the website link there. It's link.tree slash sequelizers. That is the link for all of our social media, all the YouTubes, all the stuff. Or you can go to the website, sequelizers.com, and find links to the Patreon, the live streams, all the podcast platforms. All the episodes are listed there in a big old archive. If you want to go back and listen to all 150-something episodes we have now, it's a lovely time. Come and join the conversation. Hit us up on social media. Join the Discord. It's a very lovely group. We have a fantastic community of listeners. Genuinely, genuinely proud of our community. And I've had other people who have joined it and, and, you know, uh, people have commented on what a lovely community we have compared to some of the other more toxic Discords they've been a part of and all that kind of stuff. Um, So if you do have any hesitation, I can assure you, we're very nice and all the guys in there. (laughs) You'll recognize some of the names. Xenos himself is in there. Jonathan Firth-Clark, Josh Miles under a pseudonym, of course. Um, are all in the Discord, so you can chat with the executive producers and loads of other listeners. And the three of us are also in there as well, mm. regularly chatting about wrestling and anime and politics and food and pet photos and all kinds of yeah. stuff. So, uh, yeah, come and join us. Come and join the conversation. And uh, if you're enjoying the show, if you've enjoyed listening to this one or other previous ones, why not take the time to go onto your podcast listening platform of choice uh, and give us a five star rating. It helps people discover the show. It you know boosts our visibility on those various platforms. Or if you're listening on something that you can't give it as a rating on, or you've already done that, or whatever, why not recommend us to a friend? Um, that's the best way to spread the show out to other people and to for us to grow our listenership and to for other people to uh, find us. Yeah, you just turn to a friend and say, "Do you remember Fangali?" And they go. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I do. Yeah, Stop no. right now. Listen to this podcast. That, that fairy thing with it. There was a sequel to that. There was a sequel to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These guys. So this is a podcast. I fixed it. Yeah, that's there you go. <laughs> so natural. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I know. I do this often. I promise next. Oh, week. Oh, for God's sake! Promise next week is something different. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? It's wrong. It's not different at all. Same thing. 
exactly the same thing. It's Fangirly 2 again. It's <laughs> <laughs> just doing another Fangirly 2 That's episode. the rest of the season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just every, we all get a stab every episode. I'll we do Fangirly 3, Fangirly. Matt does Fangirly 4. We're back around to Tim with Fangirly 5. Yeah. And then we all do a pitch at the end. Yeah, the three of us. That's how we're going to do our land. We do the final, <laughs> final trilogy, like the Fast and Furious movies. We end with Fungully mm. Ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fungully you. your seatbelts. Oh my oh, god! No, I'm telling you, Land Before Time season. <laughs> yeah, every episode we do a different Land Before Time. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Can you imagine? No, yes. I'm, I'm all right, thank you. Um, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, I am JLW Chambers Matthew. You are Stogs, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Stogs, S T O G H Z on the internet. You can go to cheesemint.com and see the things that I make. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk to see the things that I'm reviewing. Film, films are back. Matt's reviewing and stuff. Accurate. Yeah. I am. And in, in good quantity. No fun gully reviews. Sorry. Tim, uh, if I had to uh, go into a deep, wild, lush undergrowth to find you, what would I call out into the wilderness? <laughs> you you would call out for trivia underscore lad <laughs> if you if that lush wilderness was Twitter, which definitely is you know it's some kind of wilderness. It's it's the nexus hole. Yeah, L- lush is definitely not what I describe it as. No, yeah. no, mm. uh, more of a hexes he- hellscape. You mm. can uh, check check my deviant art for my pictures of Zach uh, from Fern Gully. <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> you, in no scape. We'll show you pictures of Demon Slayer in a minute, but yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yes, no, Twitter is <laughs> it's the best place to look for me. Thank you much for listening, everybody. We will see you next week for something completely different. Save the environment, you, you fucks. Yeah. Bye.